Hey, what's going on, everybody? Rick Creeper 11 back at it with another episode of the Creepcast. Thank you for tuning in. I had a very special guest on episode two, a man known as Anna Manji, a freelance voiceover artist, video editor, and actual animator. I met this man, Midsummer Scream. He's an amazing man. Uh, just a quick note. Uh, fortunately, I kind of food barred the audio a little bit with some new mics I didn't test. I hate to have to record this episode, so please bear with me and I apologize for the the second mic wasn't queued up properly, so um, audio quality isn't the greatest, so I do apologize in advance, but I will, will promise this this will improve over time, I'm learning. So just to give the man justice and a man J. Emanuel, I'm going to leave it as it is and just improve it as much as I can, but I hope you guys enjoy and check out the next episode. So bear with me. Again, this is Rick Creeper. Thank you guys for tuning in and hope for the best. Enjoy. Hello, hello. Welcome back. This is episode two of the Creepcast. Thank you for tuning in. More importantly, thank you for checking out my first episode with my very special guest, Scaredy Cot Vasquez. I'm your host, Rick Creeper. But more importantly, I have an amazing man today as a guest, a freelance, freelance voiceover artist, amazing video editor and animator. And he just ventured off into YouTube. This man is known as Anamanji. What his name, real name is Emmanuel. How are we doing, sir? Pretty good. How are you? I, d- I didn't butcher that, did I? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> you got it. You got it. We're just, just Menji. Yeah. Menji. So on the YouTube, it's Menji Speaks. It's Menji Speaks. The YouTube is not that I'm trying to plug it this early. Go ahead. You can. You, you. You. This is about you. Sir. No one wants to hear my. You have much time. Um, <laughs> it's uh, YouTube.com/slash/Anamenji. It's it's a holdover from my old animator days, which I'm sure we'll get into. But it still it still applies given my current trajectory. You have the most pronounced voice. I loved your pronunciation. I, I was watching your your. We'll get into it, but I was watching some of your YouTube videos, and it it, it felt like I was watching a science the. Uh, like a documentary like in high school and it just it was captivating your voice oh, thank you. and i hung i hung on every syllable i'm like slowly falling in love with this man's voice i'm like well thank you sir that was, that's the extent of my my uh old-timey british accent but um <laughs> something right um so so your voice is so we, we i discovered you well let me refresh we became acquaintances and then summer screen. Yes. Um, I was in my alter ego, my other persona, as uh, Louis C. Fur, the handsome devil. And I noticed this this uh, this dapper man in a what was that a fedora? It was my fedora. Yeah. Fedora, and he had kind of the beatnik little uh, racing stripe, and he's holding the shotgun mic. And I see this. That was actually a nice camera, by the way. Yeah, it's actually worked out pretty well. The the um, the clarity on that camera you had when you were on the showroom floor in Midsummer Scream. And um, even when he went to the Hall of Shadows, a lot of people, they don't get the proper uh, camera equipment or lighting for low-level lights. And yeah. yours, when you went into the tiki bars, it caught all the details of, of all the props, all the lighting. And um, you've had you had a few cocktails in, in the tiki bar. I've been at a couple, couple drinks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. It's a big <laughs> it, um, I think your video, um, it was... I. As far as searches, your video is one of the few that came up right away. And as far as quality and just content, even the editing, the music you put, it, um, it was very well put together. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. It's been a bit of a labor of love and a lot of learning. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've gone back to watch the original um, videos that I was making, mm -hmm. but like like night and day, I just spent a lot of time studying. Like kind of once I sink my teeth into something, I'm one of those kind of people that mm -hmm. just learns like everything about it as I can and will search tutorial upon tutorial about how to do this, how to do that. And so by the time I got around to doing Midsummer Scream, I kind of understood how to adjust like the lighting on my camera and the white balance mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff to kind of get it to where it was. And honestly, I was kind of afraid it was going to turn out to look kind of crappy. But, it, it, uh, it came out very well. And then I was shocked myself. Um, <laughs> besides the quality, you're very animated, which is also, you know, it's captivating. Any any person can hold a camera and shoot whatever they want, but you have also the, um, I say the on air personality as well. Yeah. And then you have the very smoothing voice that uh, that, that kept me watching the videos. Um, and the 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 the, <laughs> the 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 different voices you did just they went from uh, and very Victorian uh, pronunciations, and then you did a. At the, I'm gonna jump ahead at the Spirit Lounge. You did uh, the Carpathian voice, and I was just like, oh my god, that is amazing. <laughs> Is people. <laughs> See, this is this is what I'm talking about, folks. This man, this man is this this amazing, inspiring, up and coming voice actor. You've been involved in the edit, video editing, and again, I'm going to put his links in the description to his YouTube, his Instagram. Um, so you've you've recently discovered YouTube, and you've been making certain videos. I saw your video at the Spirit Lounge. Right. You're, and then you ran into the Boogeyman. You ran into the Pennywise, and. Guys are guys a real creep, uh, you know. Just he he probably lives in his mother's basement still. Have you know most likely, and just the, the video editing, and then you knew all the decor. You knew Pazuzu. I loved how. But it was funny because you're making fun of yourself in in, in the Midsummer Scream video, and you're all, and you're just saying you're butchering the name, yeah. but but then you're putting the flash of the actual pronounce uh, the spelling of the name, but. Going back to the Spirit Lounge, um, you recognized all the decor. You recognized the um, Necromonic in the Book of the Dead, Pazuzu. Uh, you really, you really enjoyed uh, the Killer Clowns props as well. Yeah. Of all the drinks that you had, what what was your favorite there? Um, so I only managed to have the one just because it was late and I didn't want to risk the drive home. Um, but it's funny because uh, there's a YouTuber that I watched named John Trump. Mm -hmm. and recently, he had done a video about uh, Dan Aykroyd's Crystal Head Vodka, mm -hmm. and so they had the, uh, the purple potion there, mm -hmm. and that's made with the Crystal Head Vodka, so it's like, I have to. And uh, so that was pretty tasty, and then also they give you a little skull shot glass. The shot glass, which is, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Do they really distill that over diamonds? <laughs> what? Diamonds. <laughs> you had me convinced. I'm like, that is amazing. I'm like, where can I get a bottle of this? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not going to take credit for any of that. Like, go, go watch the JonTron video. If but... anyone questions if there's any truth to that, you can reach uh, Ed Menji hey, hey. <laughs> on his Instagram <laughs> or his uh, his YouTube channel, uh, Menji Speaks. Yeah, I'm glad you're Yeah, no, on the, on the video, he's basically making fun of Dan Aykroyd's video introducing the Crystal Head mm -hmm. and talking about it. And at some point, yeah, they start talking about filtering it through diamonds, and then he goes on this whole joke uh, about the diamonds. And it turns out that they're Herkimer diamonds. They're it's a fake diamond. So it's like it's like a um, 
Well, I'm drawing a blank. Um, it's like a, like a cubic zirconium. I was about to say that. Yeah, but okay. not exactly. It's a different kind of... I was picturing some rare, like, <laughs> like horrible blood diamond that came yeah. from, you know, South Africa. I was yeah, like, oh no, my gosh. He, he turns it into a pretty funny bit. I don't, I don't want to take that away. Go look for that John Tron video about this, the Crystal Head podcast. It's pretty funny. That's right. <laughs> so your voices, um, was it something you discovered at a certain age? Were you, were you this little kid that was a mimic picking up on... Family and family members' pronunciations or accents. Were you watching movies? Um, like me, for me, it was the old, um, the old Looney Tunes with Mel, you know, Mel Blank. Yeah, see, I mean, that's the extent of my voice. And man, mommy, you know, whatever, you know. Um, was it was it that when you were a kid? Was it movies, animation, film? Were you driving your parents nuts doing their voices? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, God, yes, like literally all of that. I don't even know why I'm here. I'm gonna walk off. You just named it all off. No, no. <laughs> that is the end of the episode. That is the 7:55 mark. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Um, yeah, no, it's the funniest thing. It's something that's kind of always been there. I don't know if I had ever really drawn attention to it, but yeah, I definitely grew up on Looney Tunes, old Disney cartoons. Mm -hmm. um, that was something, especially the Looney Tunes, something uh, my mom and I shared, and that's a lot of our inside jokes are mm -hmm. basically quoting old Looney Tunes. What's funny about the Looney Tunes, they, I mean, they were showcased in between films, right. correct, back, yeah. you know, um, and then eventually they migrated over to um, catering to children, but they were, there was adult, adult innuendos. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I mean, yeah, I would laugh at, the, laugh at the slapstick, you know, pies in the face, or like, you know, Bugs, or uh, not Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck turns into a sucker. You know, that made sense, but then when I, you know, obviously when I grew up and I'm, I'm listening to, the, or watching, I'm like, you know, there was like these adult punchlines that as a kid there's I wouldn't. Some real racy content. There's some real, there's some real <laughs> deep punchlines too. I love a good, a deep punchline. There's nothing I like more than watching something I haven't seen since I was a kid mm -hmm. and realizing there were more jokes in there. Than Revisiting it at yeah. a certain age. Yeah, exactly. I did the same thing. Um, I was on a friend's podcast where he's a huge film buff, and I mentioned um, seeing um, the original Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm -hmm. and just um, the, the the adult innuendos I never caught on to. And later on, I'm like, and I was like, you sly devil, you you ladies man. And he drunk, and he was like this ladies man, but he was like this professor that was educated. And I'm like, you know, and he, you know, the six shooter and he had the cool clothes and like, um, just never, I never realized that until I revisited, you know, old cartoons or movies or whatnot. But Looney Tunes, I mean, um, yeah, I grew up watching Looney Tunes and it was a lot of the um, heckle and jekyll. Oh yeah, yeah, I loved Heckle. <laughs> yes. Woody Woodpecker and just like you know Scooby Doo and uh, what else? Just like um, gosh, there's so many like uh, Justice League and so yeah. I'm assuming you were watching those as a kid. So you just were like a mimic doing these different voices. Yeah, it was kind of a weird thing where I don't know if I was ever really good at doing voices as a kid, mm -hmm. but something tells me because I don't remember anymore that I was probably trying. Like, all the time. Probably the oldest voice I remember trying to do and thinking that I was super awesome at when I was a kid was Crane from the Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. That was like, that was my call to fame. Everybody no. said I did it terribly. So that was your, your to go to. Yeah, at mm -hmm. the time. So, like, my cousin, one of the things we really liked to do was like get all of our toys and then we would like play with our toys, but we would at the same time like record ourselves playing with the toys. So, we're almost putting on like a I didn't know at the time, like a radio no. So you're recording with like an audio cassette or like... Yeah, you know, those old cassette players. Okay. Button on them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we would just record ourselves and then we'd go back and listen to it and laugh at ourselves. 
So you were like recording shows. Like you had no idea, like old. Didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, we were just doing it for you know, just for fun. Yeah. So you you had this vivid imagination as a kid. I mean, you were into toys. Obviously, we all were. But it was there, yeah. I mean, especially the cartoons. Cartoons really just kind of drove a lot of my life. <laughs> well, so what were some of your favorite cartoons that you could um, you could remember as a child? And then what were some of your favorites that you've revisited probably as an adult? Yeah. So I mean, obviously Ninja Turtles are probably the biggest mm -hmm. growing up. Uh, huge. The cartoon, the, the original movies. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> you didn't like the one with Vanilla Ice? It was, was that the second? That was or, the second one. Oh I my gosh. Go back in time to Japan. Yeah, that was pretty horrible. I do give the movie credits. The 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 costumes or the prosthetics they used were very, uh, they're very close to um, the toys. Yeah. The toys. I love the toys. Awesome. The toys were so cool. They're, yeah, yeah, the way yeah. they posed. So the, the costumes they used, I do give them credit for that. Even awesome. though the movie wasn't the greatest. But uh, going back to, to different... Um, Animation and, and cartoon that you're into. Yeah, sure. So that um, He-Man, probably very close. Oh my God, He-Man! You know they're, they're bringing it back. Right? And you just struck a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the horrible movie, and I have a habit of. Uh, oh my goodness! Uh, I have a habit of, uh, of uh, interfering. The horrible movie with Dolph Lundgren. Yes. Um, the city scenes were actually filmed in uh, Uptown Whittier. Oh, okay. I, I discovered that recently, uh, a few years ago, an ex-girlfriend. She's, you know, they, they recorded He-Man. I'm all, that horrible movie? I'm all, and it, I, I was so, as a kid, I was rooting for that movie. We I, all were, man. I grew up, I, I grew up um, just rooting for the movie because I love Masters of the Universe. Yeah. The, the dolls, yeah. the figures. Um, I can never afford, like, Castle Grayskull. So my parents were like, well, here's the vehicle that lands on top of like, Castle Grayskull. You know, here's here's start, here's Man of Arms. I'm like, um, can I get a trap job? They're like, no. I'm like, uh, uh, what about Ram Man? They're like, you can have He Man or Merman. I'm like, Merman. I'm like, Merman was the one that you go to Toys R Us or KV Toys. There was a mil million of him, but like they didn't have like the uh, I forget it was the armor that changed on He Man when he. Oh, like the battle damage. The battle. Oh my God! You actually yeah. know that. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna 13 minute mark. I have to listen to this again. Okay. The battle damage armor. So um. Yeah, you just struck a nerve with the Masters yeah, of the Universe. Yeah, I, was, I was the guy, like, my cousin had all that stuff. So he had the Castle Grayskull. Right. He had, like, the, the Skeletor layer with, like, the puppet snake. This was, oh, my God, that was yeah. amazing. Yeah. I did have the slime pit. Do you remember that? I do remember the slime pit. So yeah. that was the one thing my parents did splurge on, and they got me the slime pit, and I loved it. And then, like, the, the little dark, I was a little chubby, fat kid that was into... You know, little dark things, the horror movies and the comics and whatnot. So when they got me this slime pit, I was like, oh my God, I loved it. But uh, yeah, I got the vehicles. And like you, you said you had a cousin, you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My cousin George, he had the, uh, the fleet, it was it the USS Flag? He had all the vehicles, he had the bases, and he, and, uh, he had the giant hydrofoil. And I had the little, the little boat that went next to the hydrofoil and like a couple so we're walking out of Kmart and I have like maybe a figure or two and he's walking out with the F-16 fighter uh, whatever it was called so what's funny a lot of um, the animation that we saw as kids they were specifically made to to, to drive the the toy line yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing, because when you talk about cartoons from the 80s, that's kind of the first thing everybody goes to. Like, I know they were glorified commercials, right? Like, yeah, I know, but there was also something about them that resonated. Like, the people that worked on those shows, they didn't care about selling toys. They mm -hmm. were just told you have to sell toys, mm -hmm. but they still wanted to make a good show. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of those shows are still lasting. I mean, think about how many cartoons from the 80s are still going on to this day. I 
honestly binged watched. I was sick one day. It was um, a few years back. I'm not sure if it's on Netflix still. I literally binge watched every season of G.I. Joe. And I, I can honestly say I got teary eyed. Whenever I hear that, the, the, the intro anthem, it, it just strikes a, a, a chord and, and just, um, it, and it was so campy and, and horrible, but I loved, I loved it. And same, oh, yeah, yeah. same with like, you know, Masters of the Universe and like Thundercats. Um, again, uh, another nerdy uh, thing that I was into, which I rediscovered recently about three, four years ago, I'm huge Dungeons and Dragons nerd. Uh, for those that don't Dungeons and Dragons, it's it's a role-playing game, tabletop game and fantasy, and there's dice involved and whatnot. There was actually an animated series. I believe it only lasted maybe two, three seasons. Really? But I would wake up, um, it was on CBS. So there were Saturday morning cartoons. Okay. I actually did recently find out that this existed. So I, I might have it on DVD somewhere. I'll let you borrow it. If not, I'll send you the YouTube links. Um, so me being this this fantasy nerd. And, and, and what you know, playing this this tabletop game with you know miniatures and whatnot, and, you, and it's all theater of the mind. Yeah. Um, the animated series came out, and it was very uh, it was very close to the, to the game and whatnot. So I'd wake up Saturday morning cartoons. You'd watch Justice Leagues or Super Friends, and on CBS it was Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so the toys, the toys, it's weird because um, now they're they're the cool thing to collect now. Well, for the last couple of years. So you have these these 39, 40-some-year-old men like us that uh, were rediscovering the childhood. So that um, besides you know the cartoons and animation, do you, is there anything you collect as far as from our childhood, from your your past? Do I collect now? So the other big thing that I'm into is video games. Video games are a huge part of my past. And so right now, the thing I've gotten into is collecting Super Nintendo games. So you're collecting the the cartridges. The cartridges, but like <laughs> it's a real niche thing that I'm doing specifically. The Japanese version. So there, there is a culture that specifically wants those consoles, um, those games. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because back in like the '90s, importing games from Japan was kind of a big business. Now it's not so much anymore. A lot of the consoles can all play the same thing, mm -hmm. and we don't have as many games that are not being brought over anymore. Mm -hmm. But back then, there were tons of games that didn't get brought over, or if they did get brought over, they would like change things. Mm -hmm. and, censor them or completely change the characters and storyline and everything so um me and my friend were really big into importing video games and so now anytime i go back to japan i go out of my way to at least buy one new game there's a huge so, store that i go to. so you travel to japan quite often yeah a lot more than i ever thought i would wow i've i've never well besides you know maybe nevada and mexico uh, i've never really left southern california really so yeah. for business for pleasure just just uh pleasure so my my uh, in-laws that i Oh, okay. Oh, I had no idea. Well, that's let me write that down then. Okay. Uh, make sure. Okay, note to self. Note to self. Do homework about your guests. <laughs> so, um, wow, Japan. Huh? Yeah, yeah. That explains my next question. You're huge into Japanese anime. Yeah, that. Yeah, like I said, cartoons just kind of lean in. Just it never mattered where they came from, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was something that got introduced to me. Uh, when I was around 12, mm -hmm. and again, it was because, you know, growing up on G.I. Joe and Ninja Turtles and things, there's a very certain way that those cartoons are made, mm -hmm. and then my friends start showing me these cartoons that are made a completely different way, mm -hmm. and maybe a bit more mature, mm -hmm. say. And, um, and I got hooked, like, instantly, and again, it was one of those things where just, like, I wanted all of it, mm -hmm. and so I was a pretty big 
Japanophile for pretty much all of my teenage years. Mm -hmm. Probably a big part of my twenties too, where it's just like anything that came from Japan was the most awesome thing ever. I was obsessed and, and I texted you a, a question recently. I put Robotech or Man Cross. Oh, yes. And then you're like Man Cross. And I was like, I respect both. I was heartbroken. I mean, Robotech is my childhood. Sure. Yeah. Um, I had no idea until as an adult how they edited all three. So it was three different. I don't know the specifics of it, but yeah, it was definitely Matt Cross and I think maybe one other show. They re-edited it and redid the storyline to make it. I don't know why they did it. Again, it's just like the video game. Mm -hmm. It's one of those weird things that I just don't understand. And then they re-released it as Robotech. Um, out here. So they edited all three series just to, to cater to the um, American culture, yeah, American that viewers. Be, that might be why, yeah. Maybe there's, again, there's some, some mature mm -hmm. topics that they were dealing with. I was so heartbroken, Mark, because I, I, I was infatuated with Rick Hunter. It was a big thing, yeah. And, and, and uh, uh, the, just the, uh, the, the, the tech and just the droids and everything. And, uh, you know, uh, it's sadly, but uh, as a kid, people called me Ricky. Okay. Family still called me Ricky. Uh, and I was like, no. And so when I'm about eighth grade, I said, my name's Rick for now on. And I just picture like Rick Hunter, you know, just like like the leader. I was like, oh my God. It just but Robotech spoke to me when I was a kid. And um I had a lot of the toys and the models. I even played uh, again Dungeons and Dragons, but um this was the RPG game for Robotech. Oh yeah. So it was yeah. it was Paladin Games who who um who had the the, the books, the dice system and all that, and mm -hmm. you could be you, you could Whatever character you want, you can build your own tech, whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I was fully engulfed in it as an adult. I saw some something on Netflix about about the '80s and animation and toys and whatnot. And they said, yeah, they took three different series, they edited it, put it together, and that's how they came over Robotech. I'm like, what? And it, it never it never made sense because I remember I would watch the Robotech and Mancross and the other. I forget the third one. Um, and it didn't make sense to me. I'm like, why don't these under? And now it does this in the box. All three of them are edited. So. Yeah. So what was, what was your first uh, anime that you really engulfed, um, and just which pretty much lit that fuse? Um, so kind of the big one. So the first anime that I ever really watched is this cartoon called uh, Project Echo. It's mm -hmm. like a movie. Um, I touch a little bit on this. Not a bit, I touch on this a little bit on my uh, on my recent video, but um, yeah, it's it's this weird cartoon about these three schoolgirls, two of them are best friends, and then they've got like this rival friend at the school. So the main character, Eiko, she's super powered, just for whatever reason. It's never explained, but she is like, like Superman, except she can't fly, but like just ultra powered. And then she's got this friend named Zico, and they're best friends. And this other girl, Biko, is jealous of the friendship, and so she keeps trying to like design all these suits and things to make herself stronger than Eiko to beat her up, to take her friend away. And then her friend ends up being like a princess from another planet. It's the weirdest Just thing. a weird storyline. the weirdest storyline. But I was so intrigued with it. Just, it was, you know, a culture I'd never seen before, a, a, a storyline I'd never seen before. There was a, a mature, content in there as well they, they, they pepper did they pepper that in i've seen a few mm -hmm. on i'm like whoa okay especially and, back then mm -hmm. they, they kind of clamped down on that a mm -hmm. lot now the, the censors but back then it was kind of the wild west mm -hmm. as far as the kind of stuff they would show um but then after that i got introduced to the series called bubble in crisis i saw your video about that you watched that yeah, yeah. 
Um, and so that's kind of really what cinched him, because that was like a long-form narrative, uh, which unfortunately didn't get finished properly. Um, but there was just something about it. It was this weird dystopian future, kind of a Blade Runner-ish future. Oh, that's all yet. <laughs> Amazing movie. <laughs> it's good, man. I'll let you borrow the bucks. You uh -huh. the one actually. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and it's just about these four girls that are fighting this company that keeps making these ultra creepy, super strong androids uh -huh. that they're supposed to be helping rebuild the city, but they just use them to like mm -hmm. terrorism, basically. I play in a superhero campaign, and um. The, the game master who the game master for those that don't know in tabletop games um i'm the game master i come up with the campaign the concepts you know the layout and, the, and, <laughs> and um and it's like okay this is the scenario and then you have you you pick and design the type of character you want to be you could be uh like in dc it's a metahuman marvel it's a mutant or you could be um a skilled soldier like captain america or you could be like an accidental mutant like uh, the hulk or like spider-man and um, our, our game master, he's always introducing like these lollybots and like androids and like Japanese anime. I'm like, dude, are you into anime? He's like, yeah. So my character, it's called it's called Champions of Victory City. So we have a couple of superheroes that, you know, we have like Miss Marvel and we have, um, he's like this this Australian version of the Hulk, but he's always like shirtless, like in coveralls. And and, and, he, and it's amazing because he, he role plays. So for, for the tabletop games, you could actually get into character, do voices. And um, it's funny because my character just does the one-dimensional voice I do as a scare actor. He's this hybrid of uh, the Punisher and like uh, Nightwing from like the Batman uh, series. So he's like an ex-soldier, and he's yeah, whatever. So he's he's a they call him, they call him a normie because all he is is a skilled soldier. Right. His name his name's the Reaper, and he's an ex he's an ex-military sniper and black ops and just but anyways. So um, our GM's always like dropping in like he's like animatronics and like Japanese anime and this and this and that. I'm like, what's with all these robots lately? And like, so I'm like, okay. So I like, and he gets mad because I'm like, oh, sir, they're all synthetics. Okay. So, you know, I'm like, and my guy's, uh, uh, he's, he's techie. He can make weapons. So um, I'll make, you know, these techie weapons or synthetic killers and whatnot. So anyway, so I'm rambling on. But um, yeah, Japanese animation, I hate to, I hate to admit it, but my experience was, my first experience was like Racer X and and speed racer and, and it was like nick at night i remember nick at night when i was a kid it was uh ren versus uh, it was ren and snippy show and like racer x and then speed racer okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was late at night and then i, I watched one thing ren and snippy up till i was a kid and then eventually you know also when i was a kid i saw robotech and man cross voltron you mentioned voltron, voltron yeah. um did you Get in depth with Voltron? Did you? Did it go beyond the I, first? Gosh, I remember being super into it as a kid, mm -hmm. but then I didn't remember anything about it after that for whatever reason. And then when they re, when they uh, redid it on Netflix, mm -hmm. I was watching it and I was like, "This seems familiar and yet not." And I'm like, I'm like hearing all these names and like, it didn't remember these. And it's, it was kind of starting to come back to me a little bit, but it was one of those weird things where I remember I was super into it as a kid. I had. <laughs> Some of the tigers and things. I never had the complete tigers. I never had one, no. The hardest one to me was always the black tiger. I think again, probably my cousin. <laughs> yeah, it was always the friend or family member that had, I had like the uh, the red and orange tiger. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And the, like, you have to have all of them, you know, to get the cool sword and he transforms. I can never, right. I can never yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned Blade Runner, um, a game that I played as a kid, and it was very um, similar to Blade Runner. It was called Rise of the Dragon. And it was actually 
a Japanese import uh, PC game as a kid. And it was, I swear to God, they ripped off the entire movie. It was, the character looked like Harrison Ford. It looked like, it looked like um, Blade Runner, but it was, um, it was a Japanese import game and it had subtitles in the video game. It was an old PC console game. And I love that game. And um, they were supposed to make a actual uh, featured film, but they never, it never panned out. So, so when you were watching all these movies, did that develop, you know, this interest or this, um, <laughs> this creative outlet of you doing these voices, the, the animation, the, the cartoons that were you, I suppose it did. Yeah. Because I would copy, before I even learned Japanese, like I would copy sounds and what I thought I heard. Note to self, <laughs> guest speaks Japanese. Again, guest speaks Japanese. Thank you. Yeah. You want a taste of that much the end of the book. <laughs> <laughs> so you sitting there watching these and just picking up on the different tones and the voices because that's what I know as a kid yeah yeah a lot of that and I think that helped me too because if there's one thing that I get complimented by from native Japanese people when I speak with them it's my pronunciation mm -hmm. I don't have like your standard like gringo Japanese pronunciation so it's very pronounced very pronounced a lot of them think I'm from Japan Really? Yeah, or Okinawa, or Sonora, mixed, or something. They're, they're always like, why do you speak it so well? Um, and it's the pronunciation, because I don't really have that high of a vocabulary compared to some of my other friends who can speak Japanese. Hmm. Uh, but they have the accent, you can tell <laughs> they're from America. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was just something that I really wanted to focus on. And I think, again, the mimicry and kind of keeping my ears open, because I would like never watch anime in English ever. So you you were, you were a sponge then, pretty much. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah. So that being said, I'm gonna review the notes that I should be reviewed. We're gonna take a quick little break, and we'll come back with my special guest, Anamanji. We'll be right back. Alrighty then, we're back at it. Uh, the Creepcast. I'm your host, Rick Creeper. I'm here with my very special guest once again, Anna Menji. And Menji speaks from YouTube. Phenomenal voice actor, video editor, YouTuber, and just amazing person to speak to. So, Again, you speak too kindly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I appreciate you reading the notes I wrote. Yes, the, the notes that he provided for me that I should have provided for myself. <laughs> so we, we spoke about anime we spoke video games and cartoons whatnot your childhood so your fond your fondest childhood memories and the voices that you started creating what what's the first thing that pops in your head um lordy voices in my childhood um do do you see yourself like mimicking like a family member like a certain relative like i i, I could picture like my uncle's voice or noises my grandfather made. Yeah, there aren't too many of my family members that I can do. Nobody had a real distinctive voice until like they got older. And now like I have a great uncle. Um, and so he's got a voice. He would always, I, I would call him Unc. It was like our nickname for him. Mm -hmm. So like everybody on my side of the family would always call him Unc, mm -hmm. the uncle. But then he would also call me Unc back. <laughs> so it's like a nickname kind of back and forth. Back and forth there. Like, hey, Unk! Mm -hmm. What's up, Unk? And so that's like the way he would talk. He's a real boisterous guy. Uh -huh. Still is, probably a very boisterous guy. Um, 
But yeah, so like he, he had a real distinctive voice, but not, not too many in my family. Mm-hmm. It was more like, you know, or like, you know, making fun of my, my grandmother, God rest her soul. Love to cook. Love to cook. And if you were full, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I wanted you to keep being this. <laughs> shocker that, that a Hispanic grandmother wants to feed you. I know it. Yes, shocker. <laughs> I, I am amazed. But yeah, that's something. Like me and my mom always joke about my, mm-hmm. my grandmother. But um, yeah, and then just, just, there were things in my youth that I could remember from cartoons where it was like a delivery. It was usually the way somebody would deliver a line that so the one-liners. captivated me. Yeah, and it, it didn't even have to be a one-liner because there's, there's sometimes things, and it still happens, where like a character in a movie or an animation will say something, and I just like the the way that they said it. For some reason, it just gets stuck in my craw, and that's usually where I start copying things. So it's it's a certain it's a certain one-liners or the, just the the delivery of the uh, delivery, yeah, the tone of the voice, and that's what resonates. That's what resonates with me. It's the sound. I can't. I, I can't do the amazing voices that you do. I, I can mimic some people, so um, I could be a joker sometimes. Sure. And and at work, um, I work on this huge campus for a medical, a medical manufacturer, and we'd carry radios on us. And so there were certain voices I heard on, on the two way radios, and one person I used to work with, and it just his voice just rung out. So little by little, I was doing the voices to myself. And so um, he left. He left. Before I did, he, he worked like six to three. I worked five, to, eight to five, or whatever. So I'd wait till about three thirty or so, and so I would call someone on the radio doing his voice, and they're like, "Go ahead, Ruben," and I would laugh and cover my face. I'm like, "It worked, it worked." <laughs> and so, so it started with just like you know calling someone. They're like, "Go ahead, Ruben, go ahead," on, on the two way radio, and I would get I would, I would get scared, and so I'm like. And then I'll go from like a sentence or two to like having a conversation with this person. And again, hope no one from work is listening to this. Um, and I, I, in stupid me, so what I did to sell the bit, I would go to his desk. Because so if I called you from my desk, it's gonna say my name. They're like, hey Rick, what's up? But if I called you from his desk, it'll say his name. So so I, I dedicated to the role. And so they're like, hey Ruben, you working overtime today? And then I I I'd say something really quick and then hang up. And they'd, they'd call his extension and they'd, they'd come to his cubicle and he'd sat next to me and I'm pretending I'm looking at emails or something. They're like, hey, is Ruben still here? I'm like, I think he left already. I'm not sure. So I it, I kept doing the voices and then another coworker. And it was again, it was like this dramatic over pronunciation. You know, it was it was it was comical, like 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 a center in life skit. But on the radio, like if I muffled my voice. People were like, yeah, go ahead. And then and I was, hey, I'm over here and I did whatever. And um. And it got to a point they figure out it was me. They're all, we know what you, Rick. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, so again, it was certain. I think just like tones or like decibels I picked up on. Um, I do a horrible Michael Caine, in uh, Michael Caine. So it's so there's a line from um, the movie Snatched, Guy Ritchie movie, and there's a scene that um, I think they're getting ready to do a bank robbery and they steal they steal a car, and then they have this random dog with them, and one of the guys tells his friend he's all. Keep that dough from dribbling in my seats, <laughs> and I always say that. And I do, I do it kind of lispy to sound like you know, Michael. Keep that dough from dribbling in my seats. Oh, that's neat. Put my yeah, so it's like you know, and I try to go, Master Bruce, and it doesn't sound like him at all. It's it's just horrible, you know. But um, when he played Alfred in Batman, I, I loved it. I loved it. His voice, I just oh my god, and 
<laughs> I grew up uh, admire like Christopher Lee who played Dracula, oh, yeah. uh, Boris Karloff um, who played Frankenstein and other Universal Monsters uh, characters, Vincent Price, Horace and Wells. But what I really, really, this is the series right now, um, really got into was um, I discovered a lot of old radio broadcasts, RKO radio. Um, like just like uncertain, like like on iTunes or Google Play or whatnot. I actually have vinyl, um, of just old like of uh, of the World of Worlds broadcast, and I have this old vinyl. It's called uh, Tales of the Frightening. It's just Boris Karloff just doing this narrative of these old spooky tales, and it's a super psychedelic. It's like 1963, and he's got these horrible synthesizers, but it's just like, and then his pronunciation, and then just he's, you could tell that just like I'm watching you, you're doing these voices, and you're very animated as well. You have these facial expressions, these, your eyes bug out, and you're you're speaking with your hands. I'm like, oh my god! It's like, and I, when I've seen people doing voice work, I've seen the same thing. They're they're, they're not just speaking into a mic; they're actually using their, their entire body, their emotion, their, and everything. So you're you're investing in it entirely. She must become the character. See, I don't want to ruin the impersonation, so I'm, I'm laughing off mic. <laughs> so, so what were some of the um, movies or characters that you admire that inspired you to, to get into voice voice acting? Um, so Paul Freitz is a big one. Okay. So, um, kind of a, a lot of what got me into kind of like the, the bring this into the creepy sphere is the haunted mansion. Like oh that, God. that's where it started everything for me. I was always a real big Halloween kid. Uh huh. And I loved the Haunted Mansion as a kid, but it never really resonated with me that that was like a part of me, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I got into like my teenage years and all of a sudden I got like real obsessed with the Haunted Mansion. Not, I was no longer just a mere fan. I became obsessed with its history, how, uh, all the voice actors who worked on it, who created all the art, all that stuff. There's and a subculture I, that's obsessed. I look right there in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and so luckily, right around the time, there's this website that came up called doombuggies.com. I've heard of it. Um, yes. And so this is probably the, got the birth of the internet, pretty much. That website happened to be there right when I kind of developed this fascination. I think there was just this, this trip that I went on to Disneyland before I lived down here, where for some reason, I think I just went on the mansion like five or six times in a row mm -hmm. on that trip. And because something clicked in my brain. And... I was closed. What was it? Was it the design? I don't know because I mean I've ridden on it years and years and years and years before that, but for some reason there was something about it aesthetically that just all of a sudden it just kind of became my everything. And so now I'm just this I was just a huge haunted mansion nerd. And then the obviously the internet was coming out around that time and I could finally like to the point where like I could have it in my room. That's a weird thing, kids. I know now <laughs> you get it in your pocket, but back in the day it was a little harder. Um, and so I found this website and that just made things worse. And so I just read it everything um, to the point, um, I actually contacted the guy eventually who made that website. He does a podcast uh, about Disneyland called Nostalgia. Okay. He actually made a second podcast called The Doom Buggy Spook Show. That is cool. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. And when he did that podcast, when he was announcing that he was going to do that podcast, um, he had a toll-free number that um, he wanted people to call in with like ghost stories and questions and things mm -hmm. for his future shows just so he could kind of build up some content before he uh, goes. I called up, not to ask a question, but to 
ask if I could maybe introduce the podcast. And he was like, yeah. And so I actually, that was kind of my first like big mm-hmm. voiceover role was doing the opening and closing stingers for his podcast, which he still uses. I can see you doing that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And so, and again, it was just, for years, one of the voices I've been trying to perfect, people say I'm very good at it now, finally, is the Paul Freese ghost host voice. That is probably one of my most favorite voices mm-hmm. of all time. Um, so it's taken some time, but I, I got it to a point where I, I'm happy with it mm-hmm. now. Um, so yeah, like well, it's to get right back around to the question you asked about five minutes ago. No, that's Paul amazing. Freeze, yeah, Paul, Paul Freese and that performance in the Haunted Mansion. And then of course I found out all the other things that he voiced in the parks um, too. And so he became like one of my biggest inspirations. And then obviously like Phil Hartman. Oh my God. Phil Hartman did. Um, huge. He, he was such a character Just, on Saturday I mean, Night Live. And, and... There, was, there was voices that he did that I had heard when I was younger that I'm still finding out now that, oh my God, that was Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, he had such an amazing range. Another person that I'm, I'm amazed how many, I know he does the majority of the voices for the Simpsons, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize, and you sound very similar to him. And, um, I didn't realize how many he did is Hank Azera. Hank yeah. He does so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember he was on this horrible show called Herman's Head. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? I loved That was a horrible show. It, it lasted. Was, but I was, he was one of the characters. It on might that. have been because he was, it's funny. It was him and Yerby Smith was also. Which was on Fox, it's, which yeah, makes sense. sense. Yeah, totally. But um, he does so many. Like he does, obviously, he does uh, Chief Wiggum. He does uh, Mo, which I love. Yeah. And then he does Apu, I believe. But he does so many other characters. Yeah, all these characters. And yeah. I'm like, I didn't realize. And he, and he could do him like a drop, drop of a hat, mm-hmm. like nothing. And the guy is a chameleon when it comes to his voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why, like, you know, I grew up. You know, oh, my my grandfather, he had the old style. Again, this is, you know centuries ago it was the old techniques you know balsa wood stereo that had the big 12 inch speakers and had the um the vinyl player and the amplifier whatnot and he had this vinyl and i remember this vinyl and it was these spooky sounds and it was like just classic halloween sounds and he had these narratives of like boris karloff and vincent price and it just it struck a chord in me and then and vincent price had like the cool dapper look with a little mustache and he's smoking a cigarette and um i discovered his movies as a kid i was obsessed with anything vincent price and then from there it led to edgar Allan poe and hp lovecraft and then i went and discovered um all the old rk radio broadcasts mm-hmm. and it just you know and then it's like um i listen to this day every halloween i have this tradition of listening to these certain broadcasts nice. they're like you know on itunes and whatnot and um I just became obsessed with these voices. Again, I cannot do the voices, but I, I love seeing their film. I love hearing them on on tape or audio, or whatnot. And again, I could do certain voices. Like I do this horrible Ozzy Osbourne, which I'm not going to do. Uh, and so uh, it just became like this, just like this fun outlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, from there, it, it, I really got into cinema and film because of the influence from my da- my dad. And he he allowed us to see watch and he and he it was it was it was always like an event because he always told me when I was a kid you know my dad my dad was just uh, my dad looked like a combination of like um, Buddy Holly and like and uh, and Mike Ditka from the Bears and just in uh, um, no correction my dad looked like when he was a kid he looked like um, George McFly from Back to the Future and we're watching Back to the Future and my dad's like oh my god 
He's all, that looks at me in high school, Mo. You were such a geek. So he looked like George McFly with the big Buddy Holly glasses and like the, the white shark skin suit. I'm like, okay. you were such an effing nerd. <laughs> and so it was this whole, um, it wasn't just like he just took us to the movies. It was this experience. We went to like Bob's Big Boy's Diner to eat, ah, to eat dinner. And then from there, we went to, uh, um, we went to two places. We went to the movies in, in Austin Heights or something in the street where I grew up at, or uh, I believe like in uh, downtown West Covina. And it was this old theater. It was an old theater and across the street was like a, um, this Greek diner that, that was owned by, I believe, um, I think he said Robert De Niro's father. Wow. And it was this old theater where you pay a quarter and there was TVs at the tables. You pay a quarter and you, you watch TV and it was an old fashioned theater, like an old cinema with all the marquees and neon lights and whatnot. Yeah. Next to the theater was this giant comic book store. So I got everything, everything. Yeah, all like all one block. All one block. So we had no you're good. We had we had the family experience and having like you know, you know, like a traditional dinner, then the old fashioned marquee cinema. And next door I was reading the graphic comics, the Frank Miller comics, where that's when I discovered Batman wasn't in uh, Leotards and purple Adam West. It was the Yes, and it'll just, but I do love Susie Romero Joker. He's, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His hair and the, whoo! <laughs> it's <just> so <laughs> He was so campy, and I love Susie Romero. He refused to shave his mustache, mustache, mustache. And he had like the green pompadour, and whenever they punched him, his hair flew everywhere, and the, his garb, and he had a very Victorian pronounce, uh, pronunciation. Yeah, he did. And he was a serious actor yeah, as well, totally which was crazy. How did he end up being the Joker? <laughs> Oh, pretty much all those guys, even Adam West, he's yeah. a actor. And it was, I loved the series, but it was horrible. And I just, so this is when I discovered um, the darker Frank Miller, the Dark Knight, and then like the darker X-Men comics and dark, you know, and just, they were a little more adult friendly, like the Conan, the Conan saga, which is another, another obsession. So there was all this just different, just different media, not even media, just, just film and then TV and then comics and just the, just different things, different platforms, which develop this characteristic. And then this is why I think I have this, this, I got have the haunt bug now, which, you know, I want to, I like doing the scare acting and I want to get into the voice acting and I want to do independent films and whatnot. So the point I'm trying to make is, is you had all these experiences as a kid. It was animation, it was film, it was the toys, it was the comics, it was cartoons. And then you're this, this mimic sponge listening to people and you're listening to these voices and then um this is why who you are now and to the fact that you speak japanese i can't believe that i'm like i was like where, where did where did i go wrong on these i'm like so um as far as movies what, what were what were some of the movies that are you are you a horror buff are you more like a thriller or sci-fi guy or? um so i like a little bit of everything okay um I kind of have, uh, especially now that I have kids, like one of my big missions is just introduce them to all the movies that I love. Uh -huh. um, so like my oldest kid is really into 80s movies, and I kind of realized that I have like my big three Gs of the 80s. It's Ghostbusters, Gremlins, Goons. There you and go. That kind of covers the broad spectrum, and from there everything kind of spills out. But those are kind of the tent, the tent poles mm -hmm. for everything else. And so that kind of covers, you know, you get your comedy, your fun adventure movies, mm -hmm. and like your monster horror movies. Do you think Grimms is a little dark? It's 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 comical, but there's a little little dark ink. You know what? We, I just, maybe I'm a bad father. I just, <laughs> no, I just that's, took, that's not the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> oh, I just, because I just took them to see Gremlins in December. They played it over here at the Frida down the street. And so I was, the only thing I was really worried about was the kitchen scene. Mm -hmm. And I was right too, because the kitchen scene is really the only real 
microwave. The, 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 micro, the microwave and the, the, microwave and, the, and, the yeah. and the blender. Yeah, the yeah. blender, yeah. Because that's the only part where there's really like tension and like jump scares. Everything mm -hmm. else is pretty screwball. The one thing that's for. the one thing that stuck out for me in the movie, um, with Phoebe Cates is talking about um didn't her father Yeah, that was the one thing I was like then he, he, he tried to come down the chimney of Santa and then yeah. yeah. So as a kid, I'm like, so did her dad die on Christmas? That's the one thing that stuck on my that, That's actually the probably the darkest part of the movie mm -hmm. the story. Um, I, I think I heard somewhere that they were thinking about cutting it for a little mm -hmm. bit. You'd be amazed how many movies because of Gremlins, um, these horrible just like ripoffs like critters oh, and, and ghoulies. Oh, oh my god, ghoulies. <laughs> the only thing cool about ghoulies is I, I used to love the old old carnivals that came to town like what they had the spook house oh. or like you know it was like the horrible dark ride like it just yeah, yeah. Oh. that was the only thing cool about ghoulies but that was a horrible movie it's just i was afraid to use the toilet after watching that movie the little ghoulie in the toilet yeah. it's just yeah mm -hmm. that's right they were full moon oh my god oh they're they're terrible but they're so much they're, fun to watch they're they're a guilty pleasure they're, they're 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 like you eat the entire pots of the, the whole entire box of pizza. You're like that was amazing, but at the same time, it was horrible. Like, yeah, actually, I went to the uh, I went to the Spook Show Bazaar today. Oh, you went? Yeah, How was it? Was, it was good. It was hot. It was hot. But it was good. Robert was there. He was uh, he had a booth for his. Uh, Did he? Yeah. Okay. I would like to go, but I was unfortunately, unfortunately. I had obligations with uh, Queen Mary Dark Harbor Day, so well, I, could not, I could not go. Super seats, I think. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, spook show. What's funny was everyone said it was warmer to, well, it is technically our summer. Um, it was warmer this spook show, bizarre, than the regular spook show in April. Oh. So everyone was like, yeah, it was warmer today. And I was like, well, I was on a ship for five hours, so I can't help you there. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty hot. It's like, you know, it's like a little mini Midsummer Street, it's, it's cool to get the last little... Um, you know, I, I was at Son of Monster Palooza last week working with uh, the uh, the scary closet doing the um, Annabelle experience, mm -hmm. and it was a quick little mini maze. It was really cool because we actually got to work with some of the actors from the movie. Oh, cool! So the little girl, uh, I, I forget her name. I'm sorry. Um, she was it, me and her were scaring people at the same time, so we were like in a little pop up area, and she was dressed as Annabelle. So I was like, "Do what you want, scare everyone." And then she's like, "Can I come here and scare people?" Well, yeah, and I just had the generic scare mazes. Uh, the scare, just the pop-up windows. What's well, funny, they didn't have a costume for me. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Because it was like the, the the framed picture of, of the nun. The other one was a curtain. And then the final one was those two curtains and just a frame. And it was just a quick pop-up scare, generic scare. Yeah. So there was like this white linen cover, uh, which they used to put like on chairs when you do, when you have banquets. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, just like drape it over your shoulders or your head. So I literally draped it over my head and my shoulders and I looked like this horrible bearded nun. <laughs> and so so I would open the pop-up window and I was like, I'm the bearded nun. And people were like, that guy's just wearing a towel on his head. So I wait till they come around to the, the second window mall. It's not a towel, it's a curtain, but it wasn't a curtain. And then it, it, I got campy. I started saying one-liners and whatnot, you know, calling people chicken legs or whatever. Yeah. Um, that was fun. But um, the Spook Show, uh, Spook, Show, Spook Show Bizarre, I think it's the last, I think there's maybe one or two more and then it's, and literally it's ready haunt season. Not Scary Farm started, yeah. I was there Thursday. Um, Queen Mary starts next week, so does, uh, so does the LA Hayride. Um, are you are you a fan of, of the theme parks during the haunt season? So I've only managed to do Disneyland during uh, Halloween time. Well, it makes sense, so, you're a family man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and that's something I've always wanted to do. I've never been able to go to any of the, the, the theme 
our mm. talks yet. We wanted to for years. No. It's hard. Now I'm here, so I'm definitely closer to a lot of the good ones. If you have an opportunity to go, and I could possibly, possibly, maybe pull some strings, would you would you partake? Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> so, so you definitely, you're definitely a fan of of, of horror, or thriller movies as well. Or I something. do, yeah. I definitely, I'm more into uh, what do you call it, uh, like suspense or um, what do you want to call it? Like, I enjoy old classic Universal monsters yes. versus like blood war. Yeah, I rather I rather watch like um, the Invisible Man than like yeah. uh, some slasher movie. Well, again, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed with Michael Myers, which. It's a slasher. It's more of a well, especially the first one. Yeah. Yeah. He only kills technically. Okay. So I had a conversation with someone real quick. I said Michael killed four people. He said five. And I said, how do you figure? But he was factoring in um, the the murder he did as as, as a child, oh. and I was factoring the murder he did as the boogeyman. So I was like, you're right. But uh, yeah, anything classic Universal monsters. This is why I'm obsessed with Universal Studios. You go there to this day. And see the courtyard scene of hunch, the humpback, the hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, you can see the where they filmed the Invisible Man. Some of the sound stages were were lost in the fire they had about ten years ago. I heard about all the. I didn't know this until recently. They came out with an article where like they were completely hushed about all the music. Yes. The fire. And I was like, oh my god. That's the other thing I find so interesting. They like, lost the majority. 30, yeah, like the music in the thirties and forties. Yes. Like a huge thing that I'm into, and they lost so many masters. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming you're into scores and movie scores. Um, yeah, it depends on the movie, but it's more like actual music. Actual music, okay. Yeah, yeah. especially around this time, um, I call it, I collect what I call Halloween music. Um, it's kind of a big thing. Me and a few friends kind of started like this whole community of music, Halloween music enthusiasts. So basically, songs that are appropriate to play in October. Um, Unlike the way Christmas has. It's so, so what Christmas does? You're doing it for the Halloween community. Yeah. Are we are we collecting these on vinyl? Are they digital download? Or it's all digital, unfortunately, just because. That's still that's still cool. Book. But yeah, and it, it allows me to collect things faster. But it's more of just being able to have like a big bank of music that I can listen to. And honestly, there is a ton of music out there. Like one of my one of my biggest pet peeves is if I ask somebody like, "What's your favorite Halloween song?" And they say, "Wants and Passion." That is, that is. Not that it's a bad song. It's but it's just, horrible. It's, it's, it's the pumpkin spice. <laughs> pumpkin spice. No, is that cold brew or <laughs> the new cold brew? Yeah, I'm not so fruit <laughs> As I'm burning a white pumpkin, a candle in my apartment. No, I shouldn't talk. Oh, no, yeah, no. It's, you know, the whole thing. Basically, it's like the basic, the most basic song. So, so there's a whole community out. So, where, where, where have you found this music? So, uh, you know, a lot of people have been preserving it online. And really? Find, there's a lot of like, especially uh, compilations. So what era would it be from? From the 30s or 40s? Oh, every, everything. Me yeah. specifically, that's kind of my niche. I like the older stuff, mm-hmm. mostly because of because it was recorded so poorly. It sounds even creepier. Mm-hmm. Like I love that old tinny sound. I love I love the popping of the vinyl. Yeah. Uh, yeah when yeah. you drop the needle and and just I have and I'll show you it. I have it has nothing to do with Halloween. I have an original print, and it's a score from the. Um, the, battle, the original series of Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica, which was which was which was recorded and performed by the Phil, Phil the Los Angeles Philharmonica. Um, I think I played it once. I, I got it at Cinema Monster Blues actually. 
And the guy's with 10 bucks. I'm like, yes. I mean, he's not in the greatest condition as far as the sleeve, but just to have that vinyl. And you drop the needle and you hear that pop and it spins. And then that intro, I was like, oh my God, it scared the hell out of me. But um, so have you have you found any of these Halloween songs on vinyl in your collection or is it all digital? So for me, it's all digital. Mm-hmm. There is actually a Facebook group that I follow. Um, I think it's just called Halloween Records. I think that's the name of it. Hmm. Facebook group called Halloween Records. And it's just like a whole bunch of guys that just, and guys that collect Halloween music on vinyl. And this and is every all... time they get something new, they're like, oh, check out what I just found. And so they're, they're, they're going to what, flea markets? They're going to... Uh, yeah. Wherever to find. Like yeah. I didn't realize it was that big of a big of a thing. It's, it's I don't I wouldn't say it's a big thing, but there's definitely a community out there. Hmm. And so like for for me, I have kind of my community of friends. Uh, there's an online platform uh, that we go on called Plug That DJ, mm-hmm. and we started a. It's like a it's like a cross between an old time chat room and like a streaming music service. Mm-hmm. So everybody kind of congregates in there. There's chat. Everybody's got their own little cartoon avatars. And everybody takes turns playing music for each other, and it just feeds off of whatever on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so you just build your playlist off of YouTube. And we just started a room called Halloween Town, where we just get together in October all month long every day. So and we just you're play music for each other. Can you share these files, or they're just a, a, a straight stream? You can now. So it used to, it's just say straight streaming off of uh, YouTube. We originally started on another website called uh, Turntable.fm. Uh, this was back in 2012. And that, what was awesome about that is originally it worked off of its own, it had its own library of music, and then you could also upload your own songs. So if you had like rare music that Interesting. you could find anywhere, you could just upload it yourself. I had no idea there was, there was a community out there for yeah, this. That is insane. And so that's that's kind of one of the big things I look forward to every month is kind of doing the... So this is your time of year? Yeah, amongst oh, absolutely. The... That's actually how my channel got started is I wanted to kind of put more of a spotlight on Halloween music. So October is actually the anniversary of the, not my channel, but the show Menji Speaks actually began in October. Um, I started with four episodes of kind of doing like a top five mm-hmm. Halloween music and I broke it down by John, by uh, era. So I had like pre-war music, post-war music, modern music, and then like oh, internet wow. music. Oh yeah. wow, you, so you have- four, four different videos. Just because I really wanted to prove how much music there is out there, I was like, I can do four top fives. So you have broken it down to a category. Oh yeah. Wow. And I'm about to make another set that I'm working on right now for this. So I'm gonna try and turn it into a yearly thing. You you are just a man of many hats. Um, <laughs> I thought you were just a man of good looks and many voices, but oh, I, I was mistaken. So <laughs> so <laughs> so that being said, we're gonna take a quick little break, and I will be return with Anamanji Speaks. So how about a quick little uh, outro voice of your choice? Oh, sure. For the previous show? Yeah. Okay. You can do what you can say, whatever you want, sir. You're listening to the creep cast with Rick Morrow. <laughs> That's so creepy. <laughs> Okay, we're back at it again for the third segment of the Creepcast with my very special guest, Animenji. Hello. So, um, you, sir, dabbled in animation for for a bit. Yeah, so that was kind of where I thought life was going to be taking me for a while. I um, actually went to school for animation, so that was my major uh, up in San Francisco. Um, And then from there... Things didn't honestly work out as well as I thought they did, uh, or as well as I thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I was going to go to school, 
graduate, let's go right into Disney, mm -hmm. and life will be sweet forever. Yeah, Out the gate. Yeah, it never happened, but uh, seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> um, but I, I worked here and there, uh, mostly on like uh, a lot of mobile startup companies and mm -hmm. stuff for little games and things that they would make. Um, and then every now and then I make some animations, like with my friends. I made a really good, speaking of uh, Halloween Town, my group, like probably the, 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 my closest friend that I made there, he's also an animator. Mm -hmm. he, he lives on the East Coast. Oh, wow. Like we've never met before, but now we're really close friends just on the Halloween music alone. And he's, just, and he's still working an animator. He's completely freelance, of course, out of his house all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and now, was it animation for like for video games or for? Film or I wanted to get into film or TV. Okay, um, but it's pretty much for everything. They, the The course that I took, they kind of wanted to be well rounded. So okay. Fortunately, I say animation is cool, but like they made us take classes, and I wanted to do like hand drawn traditional animation. Oh wow! So you wanted to do cells? I wanted to do cells. Yeah, that, that was, is that amazing. Was wow. Yeah, I really kind of realized that animation was where I wanted my career to go. Um, Towards the late in the late nineties, mid to late nineties, mm -hmm. when the, the kind of the Disney Renaissance was happening, mm -hmm. Little Mermaid, Aladdin, mm -hmm. Lion King, all that kind of stuff. That's kind of where I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Is it just me or some of the classic Disney? They were films, even though they're animation. Mm -hmm. Were they a bit dark? Oh yeah, mm -hmm. like Fan uh, Fantasia, just or um, a lot of like very adult. Like I don't think he ever really intended to make anything just for kids. For kids, kind of where the company gravitated towards as we've come to the modern era. Mm -hmm. um, but when Walt was running the company, I don't think that was ever really his I mean, look at Sleeping Beauty. Even the ride at Disney is a little little dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Snow White's probably one of the scariest rides in the park. And that's why like, they make a lot of changes to other rides and because like, they're too scary. Like They didn't bring back Ghost Galaxy this year uh, for Space Mountain. Uh, and some people are theorizing that it's because it's too scary. Mm -hmm. It's like Snow White is way scarier than that. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is like you have to be on acid to go on that thing. Yeah. That, to me, that's one of my favorites. Oh, it's absolutely. just, and it's just, um, again, the classics seem so adult driven with the dark innuendos, uh, mm -hmm. um, you, know, you know, with with certain characters and just the imagery and the and the way that things were drawn. Um, animation, so all that will sell was individual cells that they drew, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so those are all uh, typically 24 drawings for every second of uh, Oh my gosh. See. For Disney, yeah, because yeah. they took that stuff seriously. Usually for your, uh, you know, your Looney Tunes and things like that, it would be 12 drawings for every second of animation. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so a whole lot of drawings. Speaking of Looney Tunes, and um, me and my brother always do this to each other. There, there's a, um, <laughs> I should have mentioned this earlier, but since you said Looney Tunes, there's an old Daffy, Daffy Duck um, episode and he's got the old-fashioned uh, cigarette case. And he goes up to, I think it's Elmer Fudd, and it's like the tin or aluminum cigarette case, and he goes, cigarette? And when he opens it, it's a spring-loaded uh, punching, like a, like, a, like a punching glove, like a glove, boxing glove, and it hits him in the face. So my brother comes up to me, he'll go, cigarette? And he'll try to punch me, I'm like, get out of here. It's like, <laughs> but it's just the funniest, it's just, it's so stupid. It's just, it's, oh my God, just so slapstick. I just, I love it. I forget, I think it's Daffy Duck and Porky Pig, uh -huh. and Daffy Duck's trying to sell him like this house, push button house of the future. Uh -huh. And there's all these buttons and they all do all kinds of wacky things. Porky Pig hates it. I believe this how the cartoon goes. And at the end, 
they're going through all these buttons, and there's this big one big red button. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, what's that button do? It's like, not the red one! You never touch the red one. So anytime I see a big red button, yeah. like, you say have that. to say it. <laughs> Nobody else around me gets it. These kids need days. <laughs> but I'll still do it because it makes me laugh. It's just so classic. So were the Looney Tunes individual cells as well? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do they still use that that type of um, method of doing animation? I mean, I doubt I it. I don't know if anybody does anymore. You know, there may be some niche studios, mm-hmm. primarily out in Europe, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Maybe might still hang on to that. Um, but now, at this point, uh, there's a program on the computer called Toon Boom that a lot of the studios use. Mm-hmm. that and there's a TV paint mm-hmm. um, and a lot of what those do mimic what you can do with cells mm-hmm. and so pretty much just about every, every studio that I've heard of has migrated to one of those two. Uh, what era did they stop doing the individual hand-drawn cells? So it was right around when I went into college. That <laughs> <laughs> so, time. Um, but yeah, I know for Disney the last one they did was The Princess and the Frog and that already seems like a lifetime ago. Oh wow. Yeah, and even that, gosh, that might have even been done on a computer, actually. I don't know if that was done on paper, so maybe it would have been the one with the cows, Home on the Range. Well, that is, okay. okay. <laughs> not worth maybe their time. An off question. Um, when it comes to, I, I'm, I grew up watching practical effects in movies, um, horror movies, sci-fi, whatever. Yeah. One reference to this day, and the movie still gives me the willies, is John Carpenter's The Thing. All that was practical effects. I mean, it's a little out of date, um, but um, I just wasn't a big fan of CGI when it came out, like Jurassic Park, you know, like what other movies. Um, again, like the original Terminator, which was James Cameron. Um, there were some scenes that didn't look very well. Yeah. But for the for the for the, you know the time for 1983, 84, what it was, it was very cutting edge. But I, I like to see a film that has the practical and a little a little CGI, just yeah. a little bit. But um. There's something about that movie, John Carpenter's a thing. It just, it just, it just makes my skin crawl. It's just seeing the, the practical effects and just. But I think it's more of me being into the the craftsmanship of the craftsmanship. It's just like the individual yeah. cells when it came to animation. For someone to sit there and to do, you know, the multiple layers, the coloring, the shading, the outline, and it was it 24 cells per, yeah. per second? Yeah, drawings per second. That is. No, what about like um, the old um. Like Sinbad movies, like the old Clash of the Titans, and that was. So, uh, yeah. That's uh, clay animation, correct? Yeah, like stop motion. Stop motion. Stop motion animation. That was um, uh, Harryhausen. Ray, yeah, Ray Harryhausen uh-huh. uh, did most of that stuff, and he learned from, God, I forget his name now, the guy who did King Kong, so it was kind of his protege. Wow, for you to know that, that is amazing. No, I had to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and so that was a lot of the same thing where he would, they would have like already filmed the movie, uh-huh. he would have. He would have those films and he would basically take pictures of the models and superimpose that layer of them on top of mm-hmm. the film uh, a lot like a, a picture like a drawing basically so the still shots it was if this monster the, the cyclops or whatever fighting sinbad or you know whatever jason the Ar- jason and the argonauts which i love that movie mm-hmm. um if it was like this monster that was walking across the threshold it was every single motion that that creature had had to be Step by step. step, by step yeah. So if it was a single like step, then they'd have to take that still shot and then and so forth. Yeah. So you could take multiple. Wow. Yeah, stop motion takes a long time, which is why you don't see too much of it, unfortunately. 
Um, but I mean, like they still they still do it to this day. I mean, obviously, like Artman animation is probably mm -hmm. uh, the most notable that keeps kind of keeps on doing it, mm -hmm. like uh, you know, Wallace and Gromit, and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, and then of course there's the Tim Burton type stuff. Um, so Nightmare, Pulp Fiction, uh, Coraline, which was. Uh, his name escapes me right now. The director mm -hmm. in all those movies. Um, so those are all still done the exact same way. Just little arms. So, so it's st they're still using that old, old style of doing the the, the still shots. That's right? one of those things where it's like the creators still have a love for doing it. It's just whether or not the audience will accept it or not. It's always kind of that crapshoot. So it's more the passion of them actually creating these projects yeah. than then for any time any any type of monetary reason. Yeah, exactly. I feel like there somebody is making. A I looked. Was it Frank and Weenie? Yeah. That Frank that was amazing. It's just oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Just, oh, such a fun player. <laughs> <laughs> what what do you feel about people like um like I love Danny Elfman from Oingo Boingo and then he just migrated to scoring movies, The Simpsons, and the Conan O'Brien show, the original NBC series show. Um, and I didn't realize he was such a he came from such a talented family, but I mean he did. Yeah, apparently his family's all involved in Hollywood and film. I mean, he did the Batman animated series in the 90s. I believe he did the intro to X-Men. He did all the Matrix movies. He did all the Spider-Man movies, and all the Marvel movies. Um, and obviously he did practically every single Tim Burton movie. But uh, how do you go from being this this pasty face uh, front man from Oingo Boingo to just this amazing man that just scores from every single... I think even uh, um, video games as well. Don't quote me on that. But... Um, it's just amazing how you could go from one passion to another and, and obviously it's lucrative for him but uh i don't feel they do it necessarily because it's well of course they're doing it for monetary reasons but they just have such a passion about it like to sit there and take the time to do like the, you know the stop motion that is insane i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. it's one of those things where it's at least what i feel people are getting this is what i got it's kind of the gratification of seeing the finished product exactly it's kind of the same thing with the youtube because like putting those videos together like it takes time like this is the filming. Any of the ones that I do in in like my studio, quote unquote, like those are all scripted. So I'm like, I, I love I love how it's it's in your studio, and I see your monitors and your mics and you got you got your fedora, and um, it's 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 to me it's a little more I can I can relate to and connect to that because it's not like this. Yes, it's scripted. I understand, and which is great content, but it's very broken down and it's organic because. I was like, hey, this guy's at his house. You know, I know it's a studio, but it's in your house, and I can relate to that. It's, I saw some media people, some YouTube people. I'm not going to say names. Um, this weekend, I'm sorry, this Thursday at opening night in Knotts, and I really thought these people um, did their own their own videography. I get it; not everyone does. So, you know, some of them have camera crews following them, and and and, really? and you know, they had a, like a you know they had a guy for sound, a guy for video. Then there's the one guy, which he's very well known on YouTube, and he does all the theme parks. And uh, he was just carrying his little Canon, Canon Rebel Canna, can, uh, camera, with his gimbal and his mic, and he's recorded himself. And he pulled out his cell phone as well. And I'm like, this guy is just doing it on his own, and, and he goes everywhere. But well, I have a feeling who you're talking. About. <laughs> Probably one of my inspirations. Um, like your Midsummer Scream video, um, and you're not giving yourself enough credit. You're not. It's just. Uh, I get. I understand. Um, I, I loved. I loved your video from the Summer Scream, and even like your thumbnail, like your thumbnail of the different people you met, and um, you you capture some pretty interesting characters. Um, 
How did you feel after that video? Did you feel like, wow, this was, did you, were you skeptical about the video that you produced? Were you, obviously, we're always going to second guess ourselves. We're, yeah. we're our biggest critics. Yeah, I mean, from the moment I was done, I was worried that A, any of the stuff from the Hall of Shadows was not going to come out. It looked very well. Nice, and it did. I was, I was shocked myself because it's like, even like me and my, my buddy was here and uh, we were looking at it just through the viewfinder and we were like, God, that's really dark. I mean, he, he makes a joke in the video about how like you can't see him. And then when I went back and looked at the footage, I was like, yeah, you can see you, it's fine. <laughs> so, it, it looked amazing. Yeah, it looked good and it wasn't, I don't know what I did that day that it didn't turn all weird and grainy looking. I think I, I was, I keep fudging with the uh, settings to try and get things perfect. Well, it's 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 a learning, you know, it really it's, it's a learning process. Like, um, look at me, I'm I'm this buffoon doing a podcast now. So I purchased mics recently, and I literally just plugged them in uh, five minutes before you walked in. I'm like, yeah, I guess they work, and I'm hoping that they do. <laughs> uh, but I again, I don't know what I'm doing. But going back to your video, I, the cut scenes with the music uh, and showcasing and the different voices. Um, there's one voice you did, and you're like, <laughs> I'm fine with it. And then it was the scene. Well, um, then it cut to another scene, some other people, and then just, I, I loved it. I loved the video. You captured a lot of cool people and all that. So, uh, uh well, what, why is someone knocking on my door? Yeah. Well, um, hold on a second. Why are people, sorry guys, let me, let me see what this is real quick. Apparently someone knocking on my door. Oh my goodness. Uh, some people have no respect for it. What are you doing here? I don't know where I live. Okay. Um, yeah. I guess. He's right here. Since this reminds me of the nightmare. I don't know why he's here, but... Who is it? Hey, how's it going? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I know that voice. <laughs> I know hey, that voice. Hey, buddy. Hey, hey, hey. Hi. How are you? How's it going, chicken legs? I'm, I'm doing all right. Hey everybody, this is uh, Louis C. Fur. Uh, I'm here with uh, what the hell is your name again? Uh, Menji speaks. Uh, I saw your I saw your video the other day. Finally, yeah, I was I was a little tied up, you know, the handling business and then the bottom pits of hell, uh, also known as Ontario, California. I mean, it's just not the greatest weather. I don't know if you people you people have ever been to Ontario, but uh, it's the land of dust and and tumbleweeds. Yeah, I, I a little think a little desolate. I mean, uh, you think hell's hot? Jesus, spending about an hour at noon in Ontario, California. So, so how you doing, Adam? Andrew? How, how's I'm, that? I'm doing good. What, what brings you here today, Lou? What's, uh, uh, well, uh, just passing the neighborhood and uh, kind of figured uh, come pay you a visit. I heard uh, you're visiting here. This this guy Rick. This guy, the guy's really tall. I mean, he decides to become a scare actor at, at 43 years old. Um, I'm not surprised he lives in his mother's basement. I mean, unless this is the house that she owns, I have no idea. I mean, everybody's got a dream. Everybody's got to follow their path. And, you know, when the darkness calls, don't you think someone should answer? I, 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 uh, you're talking about a guy that sits in a makeup chair for four hours and look like a devil. So, I mean, what, <laughs> what do you want? Well, 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 not a, enough Everyone's of... got their own type of hell, I think. So, so uh, I just want to give you a little credit about the, the video you did of me, uh, you really showcase my looks and uh, my personality, but I feel like we need a little more time together. So, uh, oh, okay, sure. Well, I definitely felt like I, I had to. You were definitely a unique specimen there. Yeah, I'm, I'm nobody, and you know, I, I got lost. But uh, ever since your video, I, I got a sponsorship from a uh, uh, sunscreen company. So you know, they, they realized I was a little low. Wow. 
SPF 100. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You so, like that. so there, there you go. Spread the love around. Excellent. So I hear you're somewhat of a, a voice actor. Is that true? Yes. So if you could, you could do me a favor. Um, I got one of my favorite books here. I read uh, normally when I have a cup of tea at the end of the day and kind of put my feet up, you know, my hoofs. Uh, if you could do me the honor and the privilege of reading my passage, one of my favorite uh, artists, excuse me, uh, authors, poems. Uh, it's uh, Edgar Allan Poe. So you pick whatever you want, buddy. Uh, knock yourself out. Yeah. No. The hell am I doing on this podcast? Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, I, I should be out. It's, it's Saturday night. Yeah, Vincent Price. So if you can, and you're, you know, your best kind of old timey gas lamp, London foggish kind of pronunciation, if you can, no pressure.
the tall candles sank into nothingness. Their flames went out utterly. The blackness of darkness supervened. All sensations appeared swallowed up in a mad rushing descent as the soul into Hades. Then, silence and stillness and night over the universe. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think I dozed off for about a minute or so after that. Yeah. There you go. That was amazing. Amazing, amazing skill you got there, chicken legs. Uh, I appreciate having that. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, you, you look like a, uh, you're missing your, your fedora. Yeah. I, uh, I've been wearing it all day today. I went to an event you, you, you look like a horrible crooner that works at a diet bar in Buena Park, California. Uh, don't tell anybody about that, yeah. though, please. But, yeah, you know, something You look like a human-sized plug chicken. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, I think, I think I've had enough uh, enough of this podcast. But uh, uh, Chicken Legs, Manji, I appreciate it. Uh, yes. I'm going to leave you that book so you can, you can remember something about me. But uh, next time you come to Ontario, California, look me up. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, the, Myself out it's the bottom pits of hell. Trust me, you don't you don't want to move there. I'm out of here. I, 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 I gotta go. I appreciate it. Thanks for stopping in. All right, you like see you. This guy. Sorry about that, folks. I think I was a little rude. Where did you go? You left me with it. I, I have to use the bathroom. So. Uh, yeah, but perfect timing. I heard I heard the the pit and the pendulum. That was amazing, by the way. Um, and I want to thank Louis C. for the handsome devil. Uh, you could call him Lou for, for stopping by. Apparently, you guys are pretty good buddies. So seems that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he called you chicken legs. I don't know I the don't reference. Know. I guess I'm a slender man, I guess. <laughs> well, it could be a good and bad thing. <laughs> you have an amazing voice, sir. Um, I wanted to showcase that. And uh, yeah, uh, I could see you doing. And I, I, I don't know the name of the man that does this on YouTube. He reads um, just different literature from H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, wow. And all it is, I think it's just a graphic of, of the Lovecraft artwork. Mm-hmm. And he just reads the different passages from So I can see oh, you wow. doing something like that, just yeah. an audio recording with oh. with a still, or even you on mic. But um, yeah, um, you. <laughs> that'd be really interesting. Just different. Like, it literally, I, I was like, well, this could be the whole episode, the whole podcast, or you just reading to do my job, you know, <laughs> make my job easier. But I seriously think you, you, I would do something for that. It's amazing. Yeah, I definitely want to start doing some more. Uh, voice stuff focused things mm-hmm. on my channel as well i have some ideas even the tone in the room like the lights got dim and they didn't but like i just sat here i mean uh, lou sat here and yeah. he'll just lewis see for i was in the corner paying attention and it just got very i was drawn and just paying attention i was like i could listen to this man read this book you know you know he, you know like if i wanted to go to bed have you read me a story before i go to bed and then <laughs> See, that works two different ways. My <laughs> wife doesn't like when I read my kids' stories, because I won't get into it. Really? Most kids' stories are a little bit more. So what, 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 would you, what do you read to your kids normally, like, bedtime? Uh, honestly, right now, we're working our way through Treasure Island. Oh, my God. So that's, that's fun. I read, so I read the book as a kid. Uh-huh. Um, I'm listen, I recently listened to the, uh, an audio book. Oh, nice. And then I saw the, the, the black and white film maybe a few years ago. Mm. That is a good read. I love the, the old piratey dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like apparently, that's where a lot of 
the words that we associate with pirates, mm-hmm. a lot of it all came from that book. A lot of it was made up. So I'm pretty sure you're doing voices to your two. Oh, and they're probably captivated and they're like not the falling asleep. Yes, yeah, not falling asleep. The <laughs> wife, maybe not so happy. <laughs> but, but you know, when you're on, you're on. <laughs> that is amazing. And that is such a good book, too. Yeah. I could only imagine. So, so um, I'm going to fire off some some characters to see if you can do a voice. Okay. So let's do. Um, if you can't, just say pass. Okay. It's going to be kind of like a lightning round, I guess. It's just something I'm going to make up on the fly. I've been told to say yes to everything. <laughs> so, let's do any any genre movie film of Michael Caine. So obviously, the, the <laughs> I can't look at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not laughing so much I can do it better. But yeah. Michael Caine. I just like saying Michael Caine. <laughs> okay, let's do. Um, could you do maybe possibly like a Christopher Lee? Okay, oh, yeah, let's make it more. Uh, let's do a a. Actually, it's, it's completely fine if I do what you want. <laughs> Christopher Lee is one of my favorites to do as well. <laughs> oh my god! Kill all the others, but bring the halflings to me. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna throw you another one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I had one. Um, can we do a Boris Karloff? I have to get in the mood for Boris. I could turn the lights off if you like. <laughs> um, obviously, Boris Karloff. So I have to do that. Once I do that, Karloff, so here we are. I'm the mummy hemotape. What else shall I plead Frankenstein? <laughs> Today we're going to read you the story of the Grinch's old Christmas. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, it's, a very, it's a very specific title. Oh my god, that's just amazing. <laughs> one more, one more, and I, th- I think I'm not, I'm not going to torture you anymore. Uh, let's fine. let's pick. um. Let's do, let's do, do we did Michael Caine. I, I, we're, we're, we're very, we're doing very European accents. Um, how about a quote okay. from a movie that we were just speaking about? We were just talking about the Guy Ritchie Snatch. Oh yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could do, you could do any character from Snatch. Oh my goodness, all right. Your, 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 your one-two punch line. Your, your, no pressure. <laughs> I can quote that entire movie probably. Yeah, I, I, we could make this a two-part episode. It would just be, yeah, yeah, that's the Snatch podcast. Um, <laughs> um, so, I mean, a voice that I love to do from there is just Jason Statham in general. <laughs> what do I know about diamonds? They come from Antwerp. <laughs> can you do Boris the Blade? That's kind of ah, Boris, Boris the Blade, yes. Oh god, well, he used to have a line that I thought was so hilarious. Like, like, oh god, <laughs> he walks into the store and like, don't worry about the dog, Boris, he's not a <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love like Bullet Tooth Tony. Bullet Tooth Tony, oh, he's, he's a tough one, yeah. He's a tough one, but I, I love yeah. his, I have a buddy, I have a buddy named, my buddy Dave, Dave Davey Boy. He looks like Bullet Tooth Tony. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 the guy was a, a, a football. He's a football player. Yeah, football um, player yeah. But he looks like him from this horrible movie called Road Trip. His name is Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones, yeah. And I, and, um, I always call, I called my buddy Dave Bullet, Bullet Tooth Tony. He's like, I love this fucking track. When he's listening to uh, Shining Star from Madonna, it's just, and, he rolls, oh, yeah. and he rolls up the, <laughs> I love this fucking track. <laughs> oh my God. That's such a good. What, what do they call him? The Bullet Dodger. Because he dodges bullets at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. 
So just one more line, and the, the line that I said that I butchered about about the, the dog keeping the dog off the seats. You know, you know the line better than I do. Oh God, yeah. It's about, it's not that dog dribbling on my seats. <laughs> <laughs> Your seats? This is a stolen car, mate. <laughs> when I'm behind the wheel, it's my car. So keep that dog dribbling <laughs> on my seats. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> I could seriously, I could listen to that all day. Oh my god! Just I've done that before. <laughs> I, I, I just—it's an amazing movie. Your voice is amazing. I seriously need to take like just a break because I'm, I'm laughing. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna take a quick pause and then we'll come back uh, with the man and Manji speaks in a uh, more reason. <laughs> we're taking a break. <laughs> Okay, we're back. Third segment of the Creepcast with myself, Rick Creeper, and my amazing guest, Anamanji Speaks. Greetings. You can find him on YouTube, Anamanji Speaks, and also Anamanji on Instagram. Yeah, they're just Anamanji. Anamanji, excuse me. Yeah, everything's Anamanji. Where did I get Anamanji Speaks from? Uh, well, so that's the name of the show. Excuse that me, that's, I do. okay. Yeah, but the channel is youtube.com slash Anamanji. My mistake. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> So we, we, we talked about our childhood experiences. We talked about film, animation, oh God, toys, nerds, um, <laughs> movies. You, we have a lot in common, sir. We really do. Um, I love Universal, anything Universal. Um, I'm a huge fan of, I watch the Turner Classic Movie Channel mm -hmm. and literally I program my DVR um, around this time of year to record all the classic. All the old Bella Lugosi, um, the white zombie oh, movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. and just the Black Cat and Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, Invisible Man, and uh, the Black Widow, and just anything. It's just uh, I went to the Frida Cinema, which is right down. This, I live I live here in the French Park Historic, Historical District in downtown Santa Ana. Uh, for those who are local in California, it's like this podcast is nationwide. Oh. <laughs> it is. It's <laughs> I went to the Frida Cinema a few years ago, and it was. Um, Ghost Party Pictures, which is uh, friends of mine. Well, they're friends now. Um, they did a, a quick little film festival, and they literally, and this is the first time I've seen um, these movies on the big screen. Um, and remastered and, and amazing. And it was, a, it was a triple feature of um, Dracula, Frankenstein, and The Bride of Frankenstein. And just to see um, these films, and I've said this a million times, and I was always told this, you know, movies is meant to be seen in, in the cinema format. Especially, yeah, something like that, yeah. and um, I literally sat there just quietly watching these classic movies, and they're all, they only ran about maybe tw uh, ninety minutes, maybe each yeah. each movie. But just to see these classic movies with, and to see these sets, these elaborate sets, and just mm -hmm. uh, Dracula had no score, no music, no nothing, yeah. and it just um, I think by then Bela Lugosi played Dracula over a thousand times in the theater, yeah, um, and he just had that 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 presence on camera and on stage, and it's just. And he had the, the, the perfect hair. And just <laughs> <laughs> but um, just that, I think that's what triggered it for me and it led to other things as well. But just to revisit that as an adult. So uh, so you're definitely a fan of the old. Oh, yeah. And I passed that on to my kids. And that's the thing that like you were saying, like the way that they, they made these movies, they made them to be cinematic. It's not like now where I think a lot of people always have kind of streaming in the back of their mind. Yeah. Watching things on their phone. I don't think people really care about that kind of thing anymore. Like kind of thinking of 
the love of the art has it's yeah. not there anymore. They don't think of the screen as like a frame. Like each frame of the movie should be its own picture. That's the way Kubrick I think made a lot of his mm-hmm. films, which is why those still hold up really well as mm-hmm. well. He imagines every single frame as a single solitary picture. You could take any still from any of his movies and mm-hmm. make it amazing. I think that's the way that they were making movies back then, that they still hold up. My kids are 10 and 8, mm-hmm. and they were completely captivated by Dracula, Frankenstein. We just watched The Invisible Man. Like, that's such a good one. Two I, weeks I, ago. And they, showed, and they loved it. They loved it. I have, I literally have, um, majority of those movies on my DVR still recorded from last last Halloween, nice. last I, October. I got us my... Uh, my uncle's kind of give me uh, the Blu-ray box set I've been waiting for, and the Universal Monsters Blu-ray really? box set. I I I've collected and I have a few a few to find still, so they're officially licensed. Um, I'm gonna say action figures, not dolls. Action figures from Universal Studios, and it's all the different monsters. Um, and they they are, this is before they became popular, um, and they're some of them are in condition, but they they stop they stop make they they stop being reproduced. In I believe the late '90s, and I found a few on Amazon, mm-hmm. and I have the Gilman from the Creature of the Black Lagoon. I have uh, the Wolfman, but it's licensed as Lon Chaney's Wolfman. Oh wow! And then I have um, I had the Phantom of the Opera, which is Lon Chaney's senior, and I have uh, the Bride. I have uh, the Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. He's not Frankenstein; he's the Frankenstein monster. People, it's their misconception. Oh, I love Frankenstein. Oh, you love the Doctor? That's amazing. You know what I love is that you just called that Lon Chaney Phantom. Yeah, that's my favorite Phantom. Just oh my god! Just, yeah, I, I just so last year at Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights, they revamped the classic. I was I was grinning ear to ear. So you walk into I believe it was Dracula's castle, and just the simplest details of like the uh, each individual brick from like the um, the structure to like flickering torches to. Um, table settings still and so you hear the organs playing i heard the organs playing and i'm smiling like a like just a kid a fat kid in a candy store and then i see this figure sitting behind uh uh i didn't realize it was an organ I'm like what's this guy doing on the table and i get closer and closer. it's the phantom playing the organ and he's and he's mimicking like he's playing the music and he reaches out to me and he scares the hell out of me and then we're walking to, to the um uh, Frankenstein's laboratory and the monster pops out the Frankenstein's monster yeah. and then just the classic Wolfman you know that just and I just loved it I was like oh my god it just it wasn't the scariest thing uh, to me I appreciate more the uh, the concept and the design of it and this is why I used to love going to user studios because they had like you know Again, I'm about to age myself. They had the old Conan, the Barbarian stunt, uh, stunt show. <laughs> yep. It, so if you go to the sound stage, uh, it's this stupid thing. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say. It's this un. I'm not interested. It's this Jabberwock. It's like these breakers that dance. Oh yeah, the guys with the masks. Yes. Yeah, so if you go in the sound stage where they perform, that's that was the castle where they had the, the Conan's, uh, the Barbarian stunt show. If you look in, look in the back. If you look off. If, so if you sit. Okay, so if you walk into the amphitheater, it'd be technically our left. And if you sit to the far left of the amphitheater and you get a good view backstage, the dragon, the prop dragon from that stunt show. If you go to YouTube and type in Universal Studios, Hollywood, Conan the Barbarian stunt show, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, oh my God, it was so cool. I love love that movie. And they had the Knight Rider car there, they had kits. And it, and um, and I remember they had like the, the um, they had a contract with uh, um, I think it was Hasbro or Mattel that did He-Man toys, 
I think it was I think it was Mattel, but they had a uh, they had uh, actors cosplaying as the, the, the characters of Master of the Universe. Oh, that's cool. I never saw that. And th this is before it was popular, you know. And so they had actors, and they had like He Man as Skeletor and Beastman, Man at Arms, you know. They had everyone there, and I was like, oh my god. So, but just be able to go to there and like you know, I got off subject to go there and see this. Like we said, we see the sets, anything Universal Studios. To me, that's again. I've said this many times. Universal Monsters had created the horror genre. Yeah, absolutely. So, it, who's your to-go-to monster or, or movie when it comes to that that genre? I mean, I always start with Dracula. Like, if I kind of start like, oh, it's Halloween season time, start playing them. Usually, I'll start with Dracula. Um, and I think it's just kind of the history of it all is one of the things I really like about it. And that movie is just it's it's like a dream. Is it is it more Bela Lugosi? Uh, uh, a rendition of Dracula or Dracula the character? Um, I definitely like his rendition because there, yeah, there have been some weird Draculas out there. <laughs> so it's definitely him. And then it's it's a lot of the way the, the movie is shot, the way it's acted. It still has kind of that old time Hollywood feel to it. Um, but my favorite is probably, oh it's probably Frankenstein. It's probably my favorite. There's something about the way that movie shot, particularly the scene when the, um, the windmills on fire mm -hmm. and just the way they and it's all oh, it is is a simple sound soundstage universe studios but the camera angles and, and camera angles and it's black and white but like the lighting and just the way they caught they can they capture everything just you don't yeah, yeah, yeah. see movies like that anymore. yeah every everything that's in, in frankenstein's castle or his laboratory all all those scenes uh when uh, his girlfriend and everybody can check on him mm -hmm. and the monsters like tied up in the cell like all that it's just it's it, and it's something so it's like a lucid dream almost. Mm -hmm. um, but like the, the dinginess and the, the, the dankness of the cave mm -hmm. and the dungeon like you can really feel it all i really just i, I like that kind of environmental sensations that you get from it mm -hmm. you know that's why that's why again i like i like things like the haunted mansion i'm not big into the horns like i said and it's just it's 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 the ambiance that i enjoy mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll take something like that universal uh walkthrough house over a place that's just like a bunch of jump scares any day because for me that's more scary like the jump scares i can see them I'm a mile away like, you appreciate you're gonna come from there you appreciate the, the, i appreciate yeah the environment getting the sensation getting you to feel getting you to feel more like something's gonna happen rather than like trying to expect it mm -hmm. yeah the way they they did the they did the invisible man they um they had black lights, and then they had the audio takes of him speaking. So, you fool, whatever he says in the movie. And this is one line I always crack up. And he had the robe, and he had the bandages, and then the glasses, and and the, the actor's body language was was very similar to the movie. And I was walking by, and he saw me smiling. I'm like, well, I had this. My jaw was my mouth was with my jaw hit the floor, yeah. and it just and and they, they the, the way they did it. So they were to capture him, but they used black lights. And then the bandages glue, they were glowing, and they did a lot of pastel colors. Okay. So it looked like he was the invisible man. Like there was yeah. there was like a man in bandages, but there's nothing under there. And then they did the, the classic Lon Chaney uh, wolf man. It just I love that scene when they show the moors in the movie, and you see the fog rolling over the moors. And it's the same set that they repurposed in you know Dracula, Frankenstein. That court that courtyard is there to this day, and they've used it for um, Pirates of the Caribbean in the movie. They've used it for. Um, like I said, the old, the old Universal Monster movies, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Frankenstein, The Wolfman. Yeah. There's something, maybe because I'm a hairy bastard, I can relate to The Wolfman, but there's just something about, I, I love, 
I love them that movie and like the gypsies and like like the the curse of the wolfman and the mark and it's just I love that and just uh the silver the handle the the, the cane with the silver handle and it's got the head of a, of a wolf just there's something about those movies and uh, again there's a movies that I seen with my father and my grandfather um again I'm not a big gore fan I like the the Friday the 13th slasher movies or um another the um other movies I do like and it's a little sense of some of the movies that that deal with you know demons or spirituality yeah. that kind of strikes on me a little bit but I I I I cater to them so when we grew up it just seemed like the movies were a little bit not so filtered yeah no because again yeah the slasher movie was coming up you had your Friday the 13th uh-huh. and your Nightmare on Elm Street and everything and so they were just pushing the envelope as far as they could possibly mm-hmm. go um for the 80s. <laughs> yeah, for the 80s. And then we got the tail end of like the late 70s as well. Yeah. And I mean, then they just, yeah, they, I think they outcamped themselves. You think so? Part of the problem. They got real campy with it. And I think a lot of that was a, a way to try and get more people into the theater. A little more mainstream, you think? Yeah, mainstreaming it out and stuff. And obviously, it's like how many times can the, the dream man come? <laughs> That's true. So, I think now it's, it's a little more, um, I mean, there's a there's a cult following with with Halloween and horror movies and that genre. You know, people go like here at the Frida. They'll they'll show The Exorcist. They just showed uh, yesterday um, Rob Zombie's uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and uh, Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. And then I'm coming up this October, they'll probably show every classic horror movie. Um, now, you know, I, I went to uh, I think it's the Arrow Theater in L.A. just to go see like uh, the original Evil Dead or to go see The Night of the Living Dead. It just um, it was just funny because as a kid, I just those movies they just maybe again the household I grew up in. My dad said, "Yeah, you can watch what you want," and I was watching anything just old, old like one of my favorite movies. It's Roman Polanski's. It had two title two titles. I think it was the Fearless Vampire Hunters mm-hmm. or the Fearless Vampire Killers. And it was a little campy, you know. It was a Polanski movie, but it was like how this old European East, Eastern European village was being um, tormented by this this vampire who lived up in, the, in this castle and so but the, the vampires kept to themselves in case they came down to feed so they this this doctor scientist and his helper they go to go investigate and on when they're leaving they're escaping the castle the, the you know there's there's the damsel in distress she's been turned without them knowing that she bites the assistant and this is how the, the vampire curse spread spread to the world but i just as a kid i was like how is it, how am, i look back i'm like how was I allowed to watch these movies? It just there was no like regulation for my parents. But then again, it's I, a lot of the movies I appreciate because, uh, like I said, the classic movies, and I was able to watch Elvira, yeah. and able to watch a lot of the just old horror and slash movies and whatnot. Like, what I saw The Omen as a kid, and it just oh wow that that music. I hear that music. I do not. I do not care for it. it just or just like even like um, I, I mentioned to someone else on the, on the Exorcist when. The priest are you know they're performing their exorcism and there's the father and them um, there's the older the older i don't know if they're i don't know their titles religiously but there's the two gentlemen there's their older gentleman and the younger one and then the, the demon is 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 mimicking um his mother's boy but then me why you do this to me i do not like that at all my, my brother my brother will call me or text me then me why you do this to me then it's just i i, I can't oh, stand that gosh, yeah, no, that reminds me for me growing up the movie that kind of stuck in my craw that I probably shouldn't have seen is a movie called House. Have you seen this yes. movie? Yes. Okay. The, the first one was decent. The, yeah, it was decent. That's the first one. And it was something about the kid being stuck in the painting always 
creeped me out because it's the picture of the kid in the painting in the it window was, of the house and he's calling to his dad from the painting it's something about that it was a dark movie it was a very it was. um and then like for years i'd never seen it again i finally somehow was able to see it again maybe like five years ago and i was like wow this still holds up a weird movie it was a weird I this. The, the flashback scenes when he goes to vietnam yeah. with his friend yeah. And then it's his friend when he's comes back and he's like decayed. And the guy was a giant. He was like, that was amazing. The makeup and you can see his rib cage. Yeah, 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 I love yeah, that. Yeah. I just those are the two things, the painting and that guy. Yeah. That was and, and it was, the old lady. Yeah, that was so creepy. The old lady. Oh my god. So house was maybe mid-90s, I wanna oh, say. Oh god, yeah. Probably, might have been a little earlier than that, but yeah. I remember seeing it at the drive-in. With my wow. my folks. Oh, they took you. So my my folks told me to. My, my parents were weirdos. They took me. They, they let let me see whatever. They took us wherever. Um, I went to. I think I mentioned this before, but at uh, an older cousin, she took me to see. It was a double feature. It was me, her boyfriend at the time, and um, her younger brother, my, my cousin. Me and him are like best friends. It was a double feature, and they took us to see Beetlejuice, and the witch, the witches of Eastwick. Yeah. So, so, so for years I did not know that was Michael Keaton. Uh, well, that was Batman. Yeah. I think he did Beetlejuice first, then he did Batman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Right around the same mid yeah. mid to late nineties, excuse me. Yeah, I think it was eighty nine. No, eighty nine was Batman. Mm, so Beetlejuice probably like eighty six, maybe eighty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the big thing. It was like Beetlejuice, Mr. Mom's gonna play Batman. Yeah, Mr. Mom. Yeah. Another eighties <laughs> reference. I was like, Beetle. I had no idea it was him. And I'm like, that's Michael Keaton. Now I see it, but like. Yeah. Just the one-liners. He just he just he blended into the role. Yeah, that's another one I grew up on. Uh-huh. Yeah, a lot which I think kind of explains like my whole haunted mansion. The haunted mansion, the voices, you know, just ghosts and things like ghosts is a huge thing for me. Like more ghosts and monsters. Uh-huh. I really enjoy that kind of stuff. So, are you a fan of like um like I love anything Vincent Price. Yeah. And um, it, I I I love like uh, House on Haunted Hill. I watch it every year. Oh, that's one God. of the things on it. With my my group of friends that get together online, we do one day um, where we're just showing movies in, in that room mm-hmm. all day long. All day long. Streaming movies. Mm-hmm. The movie that we find on YouTube, The House of Haunted Hill is still on there, Now the Living Dead. Yeah, just something about those the classic movie and mm-hmm. just, uh, and it's funny because he the off, in the movie he's offering them, hey, if you stay in this house the entire time, he's like, you each get $10,000. I'm like, $10,000? I mean, <laughs> I would, but yeah. now we're like, that's it, $10,000? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was quite a, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That, there's one of the voices I wish I could hear. Mm. It's surprised. I've tried. It's, just, it's too hot. It's too hot. <laughs> He's in a really weird register. One of the, Oh, God. A lot about this room. Um, so at Disneyland in Paris, they have a haunted house, haunted mansion called Phantom Manor. Yes. And originally, the ghost host was Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. They recorded him. He was in there for a while. Um, but they didn't like that they couldn't understand him because they did it all in English. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got rid of it and they put in a French uh, voice actor for that for years and years and years. And years. Recently, it got uh, updated. This is like within the last month or two. Mm-hmm. They updated it and they put Vincent Price back in there. Have you now, been You been to I've that? I've never been. I've heard, I've listened to the soundtrack, mm-hmm. uh, but I haven't been there. It's supposed to be amazing. But now they put it back in there, like, I really want to go see it. I, I had the hardest time. Um, as a kid, listening to Thriller, because oh, okay. um, of the narrative he does and the laugh. Uh-huh. Like I would literally, when I was a kid, I would turn the music off because when he's speaking about 
corpse's shell and, and, and the monsters. I, I, I couldn't, I was like, no. I knew who it was. I, I love the man to death. I could not listen to that. And, um, the music because I saw the making of of a thriller and then they do the, the little movie the, like the little five minute movie before the video starts right. and just it, it really tormented me and it just I, I remember it was like a Kmart when I was a kid visiting my grandparents and for some reason in, in the video section they were showing thriller and I sat there and my mom's like if you get lost to stay in one spot I'm like well I'm gonna stay here and watch thriller it was the making of and they showed the makeup the prosthetics and all that and then they showed the movie you know the little outtake movie, and then they show the video. But like hearing Vincent Price's voice when he just, I couldn't, I couldn't listen oh, to man. it. Yeah, I love because we, me, me and my cousin, we really like the uh, the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. This is a cartoon, a Scooby Doo cartoon that had Vincent Price in it. Really? He was kind of uh, they Scooby and Shaggy had released these demons, these ghosts into the world, and Vincent Price was the one that was kind of like holding them. He was like the sorcerer ghost man, mm-hmm. and so he made them go out in the world and get these collect these ghosts back up so he was kind of the one giving the orders he was almost like the chief of police for okay. them basically for everybody so, so he was the one that he'd come on an area and so give them orders and so i always like that he would do the intro for the the opening song too mm-hmm. he's like you all the ones who let them out like but yeah I did that. his voice is always i've always like i said i i discovered a bunch of old rk radio broadcasts and it's just like these old Dramatizations or him just reading poetry. That's great, dude. That's and, what I love the people preserving these things. And yeah, I could go back and reason well. I have it digitally. And it's just uh, and he just had the coolest look and just. Yeah. I, I I discovered him as as affiliation with horror movies, course, yeah. and then I went back as an adult. I'm like, wow, he was like a serious actor, and he was a serious a voice actor as well. Yeah. And it was a lot of yeah, see, and a lot of mobster stuff, and whatnot. And there was one I read. It was like the Black Cat, or like you know whatever. Um, but I was just really young and, and had this weird obsession with him. I had no idea why. It's, same with John Carpenter. I love, not, not every movie he makes is great, but I appreciate it. But uh, his influence on movies was, uh, he grew up watching all these old Cinescope movies. Mm-hmm. Cleopatra, Ben-Hur, and you know, you know, Jason Argonauts. That's not a Cinescope movie. But the, the technology they use, the type of mics, the type of lenses and whatnot, mm-hmm. the type of cameras, um, that's what influenced him to do um, Halloween. And I've seen it a million times, and I know it's the imperfections now in the movie, but I, I love it as well. But uh, there's just there's so much I could talk about about, about John Carpenter. So, um, if you could work on any project, it could be TV or film, as a voice narr- uh, voice actor or doing narrative, um, what could it be? Let's say a time portal opened up right here in my apartment. Mm-hmm. And they approached you and they said, hey, we want you to come work on this project. We want you to do the narrative to this. What would it be? Oh, again, yeah. Uh, I was actually just talking with my classmates from voice school just the other day about this. Like the the dream, not that there's constant dreams, but like the biggest goal for me right now, I would love to be a voice in the parks at this time. That's, that's the big thing for me right now. Obviously, being on a cartoon and stuff and, you know, like steady work residuals that'd be great mm-hmm. but i really want to pick voice in the park and i think it's just because that's kind of how which, a lot of things started for me would you do like it would it be like um oh god whatever they want dude i'll be the voice in the, the parking tram <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love the ones when it, it's it's uh it's like the announcement for a ride then they do it in spanish and which makes me laugh i don't know why because it's like you know bienvenidos at disneyland yeah. and I, I crack up and it's all you know or like I love those. Like they do that, you know, you know, okay, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I love, 
<laughs> so it would be any theme park, particular Disneyland. Oh, Disneyland specific. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't be picky. So a quick story about uh, Disneyland. I did, you know, I, I came out of the trades. I, I worked in the, the construction industry for for a while, mm. and one of the projects I worked on was when they retrofitted uh, uh, Frontierland mm. and they remodeled uh, Pirates of Caribbean, and when they did California Adventure. Mm. One of the rides that we worked on was Big Thunder Mountain, mm. which was really cool. But to sit there for eight to ten hours a day, five to six days a week for eight to ten months out of the year, and here, howdy, folks, this is a wild ride. And I just on cue until a point, I'm like, I never want to come here ever again. And we heard that all day, yeah. every day. And we had to have, hey, I wave at people being nice because, and we had the little Disney safety vest that had Mickey Mouse wearing a hard hat. But we heard that all day. But the cool thing was we got to do is um, when they retrofitted um, Pirates of the Caribbean, mm -hmm. they drained the canal. They let us, and, and we, we, that's, we walked in the canal and we were doing what we had to do. And, um, so we worked. We worked early. We worked six to two thirty. So we'd sneak off. Most of them were looking at the animatronics, and uh, I could have sworn some of them moved on their own. But we we would get okay. Two thirty, time to go home, and people got off at different times. And um, there was um, shuttle buses that took it back to the employee parking lot. So we we'd hide our tools in the bushes and go on the rides and whatnot, and then get our tools and go back. So so it's you you would go back. You would work on any yeah anything. Okay. I would just love to yeah. <laughs> that that'd be great. Leave my mark on that history. I, that'd be amazing. So, um, um, I know Louis C. Fur asked you to read out of a passage out of the book. If you do me the favor as well, I'd appreciate it. Sure. So you could, so you could pick whatever you want. Okay. I'll leave it up to you, and I'll just sit here quietly and smile again and, and watch <laughs> you awkwardly. We'll do the uh, the telltale part. A favorite poem, say. You know, it's an interesting story, just before we get into it. Yes. Uh, up in San Francisco, every Christmas they do a thing called the, the Dickens Fair. It's kind of the Victorian England version of the Renaissance Fair. That's so cool. Yeah, they, they do it during Christmas time. And so it's the same thing. You've got these characters running around. They literally, if you walk around, you can watch the entire story of... of so there's reenactments of the Dickens yeah, stories. They'll, they'll run around and redo all the different parts of the story. That's so cool. Being led around by the different ghosts and stuff. There is a, a library. It's one of the buildings they build, like this whole like old. What part of Frisco is this? Thing? It's they've been doing it at the Cow Palace. Okay. For the last decade or so. Really, yeah. that is so cool. Yeah, and so they have like this book depository library type of place, um, and they'll have different people go up there and read. Uh, and there's a guy that's been doing Poe there for since for as long as I can remember, and so he'll go there and read his own poetry. And he's Poe the whole time. I could see you doing that. That is so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. No, that was really cool. I had no idea. Yeah, the tickets are fun time. Okay. The Telltale Heart. True, nervous, very, very dreadfully nervous I had been and am, but why would you say that I'm mad? The disease had sharpened my senses. Not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all was the sense of hearing acute. I heard all things in the heaven and the earth. I heard many things in hell. How then am I mad? Hearken and observe how healthily, how, how, how calmly I can tell you the whole story. It is impossible to say how first the idea entered my brain. But once conceived, 
It haunted me day and night. Object, there was none. Passion, there was none. I loved the old man. He had never wronged me. He had never given me insult. For his gold, I had no desire. I think it was his eye. Yes, it was this. He had the eye of vulture. A pale blue eye with a film over it. Whenever it fell upon me, my blood ran cold. And so by degrees, very gradually, I made up my mind to take the life of the old man and thus rid myself of the eye forever. Now this is the point. You fancy me mad. Madmen know nothing, but you should have seen me. You should have seen how wisely I proceeded, with what caution, with what foresight, with what dissimulation I went to work. I was never kinder to the old man than during the whole week before I killed him. And every night, about midnight, I turned the latch of his door and opened it, oh so gently. And then, when I had made an opening sufficient for my head, I put in a dark lantern, all closed, closed, so that no light shone out. And then I thrust in my head. Oh, you would have laughed to see how cunningly I thrust it in. I moved it slowly, very, very slowly, so that I might not disturb the old man's sleep. It took me an hour to place my whole head within the opening so far that I could see him as he lay upon his bed. <laughs> Would a madman have been so wise as this? And then, when my head was well within the room, I undid the lantern, cautiously, oh so cautiously, cautiously, for the hinges creaked. I undid it just so much that a single thin ray fell upon the vulture And this I did for seven long nights, every night, just at midnight. But I found the eye always closed. And so it was impossible to do the work, for it was not the old man who vexed me, but his evil eye. And every morning, when the day broke, I went boldly into the chamber and spoke courageously to him, calling him by name in a hearty tone and inquiring how he had passed the night. So you would, so you see, he would have been a very profound old man indeed to suspect that every night, just at twelve, I looked upon the accident. That's amazing. That is. Thank you. Uh, I am so overwhelmed that uh, I have no words. <laughs> um, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll come back with Anna Menji and myself and continue to listen. Thank you so much. Alrighty, guys. I think this we're going to wrap things up for the Creepcast. Um, it's been an amazing adventure. Thank you for uh, tuning in since episode one. Thank you for the support. Um, tune in on Spotify and Anchor.fm. You can always find me on here under the Creepcast hosted by Rick Creeper. Or you can go to Instagram and follow me on Instagram. My name is Rick Creeper 11 um, I'm active in the honk community. I, I'm a coffee fanatic and other things, whatnot. And people that know me, you know, D&D &D and other nerdy stuff I follow. Uh, if you're into photography, I also have a secondary account. It's uh, Dark Alley Productions which I'm not really active right now because I'm a little tied up with working at Queen Mary Dark Harbor this year and other projects as well. 
Uh, if you're into photography and videography, you can check that out. But more importantly, the man of the hour is Anamanji. You can find him on YouTube, correct? Yes. And also on Instagram. So, um, amazing man. And not only uh, a new, a new, uh, newly found friend, but a voice actor. You're into video editing as well, and um, you're into animation, anime, horror, comics, video games. We didn't even talk about video games. That's another episode. So, are you a, a classic video gamer, or do you do you also have new consoles as well? Uh, yeah, I just. From the beginning, I've had a television all the way. I don't have any of the current ones. I moved to PC now, but uh, all the way up to PS3. What 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 PC games do you like to play? Um, so Overwatch is kind of the big one that's sucked up all my time since it came out. <laughs> but, but now, yeah. I I I got the bug from a game called Skyrim: The Elder Scrolls. Oh, yeah. Um, and also another horror-themed game called Dead by Daylight. So um. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm on Twitch too, again, also NMNG. Uh, my plan is to hopefully, I haven't played Resident Evil 7 yet, but it's on my computer. So you're on Twitch as well, okay. Yeah, but oh, very rarely, very, very rarely. But I want to try and stream it during October, so. So what I'll do for everyone that's listening, I'm going to link all, everything, his YouTube, his Twitch, his Instagram. Um, you guys could also ask me questions on here and I could refer them to him as well. But everything in um that you're affiliated with, I'll definitely put in the description of this podcast. So, so, um, classic game console. What is, are you more, I was a Genesis guy. Once oh, Sega yeah. Genesis came out. I was the, Gen- I was the lone Sega guy. <laughs> <laughs> I group of friends. So. <laughs> I love, I loved Golden Axe, uh-huh. um, a Sonic. Um, I, I despised I, to this day, despise Mega Man on the original <laughs> NES. I hated that damn game for two reasons. Cause um, it was one of the first games that my, my parents purchased for me. Mm-hmm. And it, and I associate that game with it. I had a hard time and I had a hard time in my life at, at that period of that period of time. We moved from an area that uh, was always, I to this day, I consider home to a new, a newer area. And I, uh, well, I moved from home to a new area and I didn't, I didn't really care for it. So, I guess that by the time they they finally broke down, bought me a, a NES, and they got me Mega Man. I swear to God, the, the game designers designed the game to be unbeatable. I, I hate to this day. I hate that damn game. I hate that series. Mega Man, f you. You know, I I, I know. But but if we're talking NES, um, Castlevania, absolutely. Oh yes, Contra. Um, there was a game that was very rare. It was called Bionic Commando. Um, Ultima. That was on like a fantasy game, uh, Gauntlet, which was I loved in the arcades. That was another episode, arcade games. Uh, um, there's there's a bar right down the street from my house here in downtown Santa called Mission Control Arcade. So it's um, a mixture of 80s games, everything from Galaga uh, to uh, Centipede to the original Tron to like the 90s, like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and to pinball. I love pinball. Me too. <laughs> And they have, and not only pinball, but they have classic horror monster pinball. They have the monsters. They have the, uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon. And they have this generic, like universal, like all the, the monsters. Right. And if you want a cool cocktail or a nice adult beverage of beer, there's a little bar right there. You can get yourself a generic cocktail. Or they got these signature drinks. It's like the Tie Fighter, because Star Wars, or yeah. the Centipede, whatever they're called. Um, yeah, there was a place up uh, by where I used to live uh, in Alameda, which is in the East Bay. Uh, and there was the Pacific Pinball Museum, and they had pinball machines from 
like the 20s all the way to today. I just spread out through all these rooms. Loved going there. I could play pinballs and I love some of the classics, just the old, the, the older they are, the more simple and broken down and just, uh, no LEDs. I want to see light bulbs. I want to see old fashioned bumpers. I want to see the tilt, the tilt button go off when I bump it, when I bump the pinball machine. Um, there was, there was a, um, what it was, it was a bunch of collectors. We're going to run another 30 minutes. Already. <laughs> I already know. I already, I'm going to keep this short. Um, so when I lived in Fullerton, north of here, in Anaheim by the packing district, there was this warehouse and it was a bunch of private investors and the address was like 2084. So they called it uh, arcade 2084. Mm -hmm. So it was a bunch of private investors that owned a bunch of old eighties arcade games um, and pinballs. And they, they'd had a rotating, um, I guess you want to call it inventory of games mm -hmm. and they had permanent ones. And all it was, was a $10 donation. You could play unlimited games as long as you want. And you walked in, and those projectors on the walls showing like Dragon Slayer, Dragon's wow, Lair, or like cool. Space Ace, but then old 80s like uh, MTV videos. Oh. And I walked in and they were playing like Madness and like uh, The Cure, and it was nothing, it was all 80s. Everything was just 80s. I'm like, what is this place? And you saw guys, 40 year old nerds like me, or you saw, you know, you know, dads bringing their kids, and you saw high school kids, and up you went upstairs and they had the NES console. They had the Super NES, they had um, the original Sega console, then they had the Sega Genesis, yeah, the Master System. The controls were like two inches long, um, but they had the different call consoles upstairs throughout the area, and they had like artwork on the wall from like Joust or like Midway artwork. There's a whole scene of like that collects that video game artwork, like all oh, the Midway, yeah, the, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Old Valley of Midway. Yes. Yeah, like, the back the so cool. Yeah. Even like the artwork off um, the Atari 2600 dog. Um, the, the, the artwork off the, oh, off the, the boxes, the boxes yeah. like Missile Command. You look at the artwork, you're like, this game looks amazing. And it was a piece of shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh my God, this game looks amazing. And it was it was, it was a, a doorstop, the game. But, um, so you're more of a classic guy when it comes to video game consoles. Um, yeah, definitely. As far as like collecting and stuff, mm. yeah. But I, I still keep up with the, the industry and newer games and stuff. So too. if I came in with a Sega Genesis. Let's say I, I went back to whatever year it was and I had, I came back with a Genesis or came back with a Super NES. Um, and what, definitely Gen Genesis is my love. It's so funny because Genesis is what I grew up with. I was the Sega guy from the Master System all the way to the Dreamcast. I was there to the very end. So you were to the Dreamcast. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I had all of them. Saturn, all of it. I love the Saturn because they used the CD platform. It was the disc platform. Yeah, I love the Saturn. That that was the system that kind of started me on this whole import thing, also because there was a lot of really good fighting games. They were sixty-four bit, correct? On on the Saturn was thirty-two bit. I believe. The sixty-four was the Dreamcast. Nintendo had the sixty-four bit system. I want to say Dreamcast was a little bit stronger than that. Mm -hmm. It's still pretty popular. There's still people that make Dreamcast games. Really? Yeah, like in Brazil and stuff, they're still really? programming. So I go back to, I think it was 89, 90, I don't know. And I come back with the Sega Genesis. What games would what games would you want to see me to come back with? Okay, well, it's got to have Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition. Okay. It's got to have Castlevania Bloodlines. Oh, my God, yes. It's got to have Contra Hardcore. Yes. Um, obviously, Sonic games. Okay. <laughs> Sonic games in there. Um, oh god, there was this fun game I used to play called Haunting. I don't know. The Haunting. So what you are, you are a ghost, 
and there's this family that's moving to your house and you hate them. And so the whole point of the game is to get them out of your house. Get them out of the house. And so you're like haunting all these various pieces of furniture and things around the house to scare the family and get them out of the house. Really? That's the whole point of the game. And you just go, and apparently, then as the game progresses, you just keep following them from house to house to house. So you're you're, you're haunting these, geez, that is horrible. Yeah, oh yeah, there's this one, you can make like visions appear. Like, Like, you kind of prepare your haunts before so you're spook before you're, you're you're spinning up your spooks your yeah, jump scares totally. wow yeah so like, that's funny because i get paid to do that every october right? now yeah. yeah there's one i remember very specifically it's the stupidest thing though but like like you have to do it before they come into the room so like you go to like one of the kids bedroom and you're like okay i want to haunt the bed and then when the kid finally walks into the room all of a sudden this dog just materializes out of nowhere and pees on the bed I'd figure like the bed would rise off the floor by the dog. There's some of that too, but sometimes you get this dog one and it scares them so good enough, I guess. That is horrible. But yeah. I, I love Sega Genesis. I get I, I had a love-hate relationship with uh, the original Nintendo system. I loved like Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah. Um Contra, the music, the mu- the eight-bit music from Contra. Do you remember the code? Oh, that, 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 that is that is yes. <laughs> I, I, I will end this podcast here on out. <laughs> I, I, I have my fulfillment. I've seen shirts. People wear shirts where it says that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I loved when you got the different weapons um, and like the laser cannon. And so, so the artwork was loosely based. Um, they were Xeno, um, the Xenophobes. Oh, yeah, 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 the Xenomorphs. Xenomorphs. Yeah, Xenophobe yeah. was a video game. I'm sorry, Xenomorphs yeah, yeah, yeah. from Aliens. Mm-hmm. But the two characters, one, the blonde was supposed to be uh, Schwarzenegger from from um, Predator, right. and then the, the brunette was supposed to be a Schwarzenegger, I'm sorry, a Stallone from um, Rocky, I'm Rocky, a Rambo. Yeah. They were supposedly gonna make a movie based on those two characters, and they were gonna play each other. But uh, that game, that game, it just, I, I could literally sit here and hear the music and, and, and just, even when I never got mad when I died, yeah. because we had unlimited, those 50 lives. Well, you had the three without the code. Without the code. And then with the code, you had 30. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was, it was 30. I thought it was, it was 30 live code, yeah. It was just so, so was, I know that was a Konami game. So I always thought that was, that Nintendo had the proprietary rights to, to Contra, but apparently Konami could. Yeah, and it's all on the publisher. Yeah, because Genesis released a bunch of them. I mean, they just, there was. Genesis had the one Contra game. So Konami was really light on stuff that they wouldn't want to Really? Yeah. Okay. They put Castlevania on there. There's one Castlevania game. Mm-hmm. On the Genesis. Uh, later on, they start putting more stuff on their systems. But yeah, the one Contra game, um, they put uh, a game called Rocket Knight Adventures on there, which was pretty fun. That was only for the Genesis. Do you remember Altered Beast? Um, yeah, I love so cool. Beast. I had that on the Master System. Oh my god. The, no, that originally was a Japanese game, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of those are. And you, you turn it, there was the. It was like some type of lycanthrope. Yeah, you turn into a wolf, you turn into like a, bear, a dragon, a bear. A bear. It was, and then yeah. you grew muscles. You, you started off as like an average dude, then you yeah. grew muscles, and then you're like half naked. And eventually yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. morphed into a... Yeah. You don't just grow muscles, you power grew up. up. <laughs> <laughs> it had a little bit of Greek mythology a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was yeah. the coolest game, I'm telling you. So um, I found uh, Arcade 2084, and they had all the old 80s games. There's um, Lost Levels in Fullerton. They sell video games, and I believe they have a couple of console games there. But here, Mystery Control here in downtown Santa. But there's um, Retro Neon, I believe, in Pasadena. And you pay, I think, $20 an hour. And it's all um, old 80s, 
80s arcade games. But uh, it's like it's like you know the 40 year old kids have something to do again, and mm. you know if I wanted a you know a little cocktail, I could have one or two. But uh, yeah, just something about that, just pinball, classic consoles. Um, the fact that you're a Genesis guy, I just that's another another weird. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, and then on the Master System, one of my most favorite games was Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. I played it on the NES and it was the oh, I'm sorry. That was the worst game. <laughs> worst. It was a birthday present. My dad got me a game of Ghostbusters and it was the biggest piece of shit. That was one of the things I always like my cousin and I were always he was the Nintendo one. Uh -huh. I was the Sega one. Guy. I was like, ah, your Ghostbusters sucks. <laughs> Do you remember uh Turbo Graphics 16? I had that actually. Who did Atari make that? No, that was uh Hudson's they had they had a couple cool games. There was a couple. There was like Bonk's Adventures and on there. Bonk's so so their Bonk's was like their Mario Brothers. That was their yeah, he was the yeah, yeah, and like Sonic for for Genesis. Exactly. But uh, they had a couple other games. A Splatterhouse. Yeah, they did have Splatterhouse. That was That's cool. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those those who know, Splatterhouse was like a horror kind of like demon ish. It, it first of all, the guy walked around with a two by four. Yeah, I think you can get multiple, in other games you can get multiple weapons, but yeah, I think it originally was just a two weapon. So the main character looked like Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th. Like, like Jason if you got the whole Right, <laughs> and then he, I think he started with like a 2 by 4 or like a bat, and then just did weapons upgrade. And it was just one of those like, rolling type of games, but uh, that game was actually pretty cool. Yeah, and super gory. Yeah, it was super God, gory, yeah. and I remember you hit the bodies and they hit the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, God, there's so many games on that. Yeah, so TurboGrafx 16, I think it was a one-off and... Yeah, it was more popular in Japan and it actually got a, a CD-ROM attachment in Japan as well. I remember that. Yeah, and that's where one of the... Still, what they say is one of the best Castlevania games ever was actually released on that. Really? Yeah, it's the precursor to Symphony of the Night. I remember like the, the Nintendo Power magazine and I would get those and it, and it show... But again, they're showcasing their games. But uh, there's a YouTuber, he's the, the angry video game nerd. Yep. Uh, and he does cinematic, cine, cinematic. Yeah, I, I I love his videos, and it just he. <laughs> I I would sit there and binge watch them, and um, he'd rip into games, and then he'd drink Rolling Rock beer, and he has the pins in his pockets, but he ripped into Turbo Graphics and like the, the adapters and whatnot. Um, yeah, Sega Genesis. For, I was a Sega guy forever, and just uh, and then eventually I got onto the uh the PlayStation, and the, the See, I was huge. I was super anti PlayStation. Were you really? Oh, yeah. The first, the first PlayStation hated it. Hated it. <laughs> Not a big fan. I, I wasn't a big fan of the memory cards. Like you would have to have the memory uh -huh. cards to save your your no. your progress. Progress from so appropriate. Um, <laughs> it's oh my, it uh, you know ambiance. You know. <laughs> it, um, I would you know go to school or whatever class or work. I would leave the console on all day because. I didn't have the cards, or yeah, the cards were maxed out. I'm like, son of a. I think I knew some people that would do that. Yeah. I remember eventually having to buy. I didn't ever bought a PlayStation, but I would play on my friend's system, so I bought my own memory card just to, like save. That was horrible. They didn't have the function to like yeah. save. Um, I, I'm a PS. I'm a PS. I'm a PlayStation guy. I have the four. I haven't played it in a while, but I played um, Dead by Daylight. I play. Um, I just revamped the revamp of uh, Skyrim: The Elder Scrolls. Oh, yeah. Um. A little Resident Evil, not too much. And I was playing another game called, uh, God, it's, they're all, knowing me, they're all horror games. Um, but I haven't really had time for it. Oh, and um, Star Wars Battlefront. I got, I think I got that more from my brother. He's, he's a, he said, it's funny, me and my brother, 
we have certain things in common, but he's more of like the Lord of the Rings nerd and like Star Wars. And like me, I like the horror movies and like, you know, Marvel and whatnot, but I haven't been keeping up on Marvel. But uh, um, yeah, as soon as PlayStation came out, I got one, I got two and I got three. And I bought four maybe about like two years ago. It just, uh, and it's, I have a network that have the, have the monthly membership. And I, again, I don't play, but yeah. Um, just like the classic consoles. Like, like I said, I could hear the music from, as hard as Ghosts and Goblins was, I loved playing that game. Cause there was a, there was like this, this dark, it was this darkness to it. I knew it was like, there was monsters and there was like this night, you know, the worst, I think the worst weapon that they would give you would be the daggers. No, the fireballs, the fireballs. They had the worst range. And I was like, and then you yeah. end up in your underwear. I was like, oh, yeah. like they, to me, it felt like the NES, they, they purposely designed these games to be like unbeatable. Like, oh yeah. Well, cause a lot of them are ports from arcades and they want to suck at quarters. But yeah, they were like, like I said, I, I have a, I had a love hate relationship with the NES, but I have a, a, a dreadful hate uh, hate for Mega Man, and I just it just <laughs> bad childhood memories. Oh, man. That sounds like yeah, you got some, uh, some yeah things, some so. some issues I haven't association I haven't haven't dealt with, but uh, yeah, Contra I, I love Contra, but so so your top games remind me again if if I came back with a console it would be. Yeah, Street, Street Fighter, Fighter Champion. Now, now, when you play Street Fighter, who are your go-to characters? Um, so back then, it was like Ryu and Ken, probably pretty standard. Okay. Stuff. Now I actually really like Chun Li. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got more into like like characters. I was I was in Shocker. I played Zangief, Shocker, <laughs> and then but also Guile. I loved Guile. Yeah. And just uh, I went I went recently to the arcade with a friend, and um. I could not stop lighting this person up with the sonic boom. The sonic boom! Yeah. I just kept throwing them. Oh, you remember how to play this game? And then, it's like riding a bike. <laughs> Once you get to a groove, like, And what's weird, because I'm left-handed, so I have to hold the joystick with my right uh, and hit the buttons with my left, so I have to cross my hands. Crossing. And it looked weird. I can. I wasn't into Mortal Kombat. I couldn't figure out Mortal Kombat. I don't know if you ever got into that. I did, actually. I yeah. just, I couldn't figure out, like, the, the fatalities and whatnot. I did get into... Um, was it Marvel versus Capcom? Yeah, yeah. So like you could be like a Marvel, you could be Captain America and you're fighting damn Mega Man or you're fighting like, <laughs> you're fighting one of the characters. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm fighting Man Man. Oh, Captain America. I'm gonna yeah. beat the hell out of you. Please. I'm gonna hit you with the shield. But I love, I love those games though. The Capcom, like the, the X-Men games, the animation. I loved it as well. And yeah, just, uh, so cool. Darkstalkers? Yeah. I played Darkstalkers. On, um. It was in the arcade. First. It was, it's a lot. Oh, you should Darkstalkers. So it's got this. It uses the same engine as those X Men games. Really? But it's a fighting game, but they're all monsters, basically. So you've got like a Darn. vampire, a werewolf. You got I'm gonna have to look into that. Creature from the lagoon. Yeah. Really? They're super. And they're super fun. And they're all beautifully animated. Something about that animation. It just. It, I loved it. The way they moved. Really fluid. Yeah. The same. And I believe it was all Capcom. I believe they made a Punisher game. Um, yeah, they did. Um, and also they did a shooter game called Operation Wolf. It was just two Uzis. You're like some Green Beret or whatever. Yeah. Um, even the shooter games. There's so many games out there. It's just yeah, I could go to an arcade and literally be there, be there all day. And it's just this is 40 year old meathead with tattoos playing, you know, playing Tron, the original Tron. I love it. It's just oh, yeah. oh man, there's, there's there's tons of people that look like both you. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a if you go back on my channel, there was a there's a retro game show out there in Pasadena. Okay. And at the convention center? At the convention center there, yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, it's right down the street from, uh, 
procurement. Okay. Um, and they, it's kind of like Midsummer Scream, where it's like half of it is just a bunch of vendors, and then there's another room, and that room was just full of free-to-play video games. So you could buy stuff. You can go buy a game. And then you go in a separate room and play video games. Play video games. And what is this called again? It's called the Retro Game Show, the SoCal Retro Game Show. And it's in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to remember Pasadena. that. That's all. Oh when I was a kid, um, you know, the malls always had the arcades. And where I grew up at, it was called Time Out Arcade. And then just that noise, that buzz of the arcade. And you hear like the different, you know, fight, or you hear the shooter games, <laughs> or you hear like someone getting quarters from the machine. Or yeah, yeah. I loved, I loved playing. Um, and where I grew up at in, in Hudson Heights, California, we had, um, it's now it's called Speed Zone. It was called the Malibu Grand Prix and Showboat. So the Malibu Grand Prix was, was the go karts. Oh, okay. We had a Malibu. Yeah. yeah. And there was a little arcade, but the show boat, it was like an actual boat. There was there was like water slides, bumper boats, and oh. mini golf. But on the boat, it was two stories of video games. And it was just like everything from like, uh, you know, Gauntlet to everything to like, you know, just like Galaga and to like Centipede. One game that I was absolutely in, you'd probably appreciate because it's, Jan- it's, it's Jap- Japanese animation. It's called Freedom Fighter. Um. What it is, you're, they, they call him a Jedi, but he's like a death shot with this, this gun. And it's in the future. It's very like like future Tokyo. Yeah. And I'm obsessed with this game. So it's it's there's cutscenes of animation of this character running around. And then when it goes to the action scene, it's just a, it's just a shooter game with a controller. And you have your targets, your crosshairs. And, you have yeah. to, and, it's, and so when you're playing the game, when it's the scenes, when the cutscenes cut to the scenes where you have to actually kill the characters, is Japanese animation. It's called, it's called Freedom Fighter. To this day, I cannot find that damn game. Yeah, I've never even heard of it. It's, wow. it's amazing. It's an amazing game. And I was obsessed with that damn game. And they had it there at the Malibu Grand Prix in the showboat. And um, that was my childhood. And and down the street was the, the Point of Hills Mall, mm-hmm. where they filmed the mall scenes for uh, Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. And that's where I grew up at. But we ride our bikes to the Malibu Grand Prix. We meet in quarters in our pockets and whatever. Um, but yeah, just playing video games and just... Uh, one day I would own either like an old console, like an old, they make them now, like you buy the console mm-hmm. and then you can have like a thousand games uploaded and they're like 500 bucks. So you can have everything from Street Fighter to Galaga yeah. to, uh, to bad dudes to, uh, um, that was a horrible game, but like, like the rip off the rip offs from like, a, oh, Double Dragon. Oh my yeah. God. Oh yeah, my! The old Ninja Turtle next man arcade games. I love those. I love yeah. those. Oh, and it was all. It was, I believe it was all Konami or Capcom. It was a lot. Of, Konami made a lot. Because it was all the same animation. So it's just something about that that scrolling kind of animation and that, that fight. Oh, just, like the, the fighting games, they just the button mashers. It's just something that's just fun. Oh, Streets of Rage too. I forgot to add on the list. On um, that was so good. That was such a good game. Oh my god! It. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, I think we've geeked out enough on, on <laughs> video games and, and movies and voice. Your voices are amazing. Just uh, I've had I've had so much fun on this episode and uh, um, likewise. Thank you for having me. Appreciate. It. I, I thank you for coming out. Uh, it just has been a blast. Just going down memory lane with our childhoods and just talking about movies. So I don't necessarily want this to be nothing, but like, yes, it's the creep cast, and I'm supposed to be this creepy dude. But like I wanted to be everything. I wanted to be video games. So you know, it could be art. It could be photography. It could be like yourself, a voice actor. You know, my my. I'm gonna bring one of my friends on there. He's a huge Dungeons and Dragons RPG role playing game. My D and D nerdy stuff and just yeah, I, I work in the haunt community and, and I like horror movies. But there's also like this nerdy side of me as well. Quick story before we end this. So um, I'm part of a group that does the the role playing games, the tabletop games. 
and we, we met up, I met them on a meetup. And so I show up and I walk in and they see me, they're all, can we, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I'm Rick. And I'm like, and they see me and I'm like in a Michael Myers t-shirt, my tattoos and you know, pretty big dude. And they're all like, oh, hey. And now like, they, like they're a little like, oh, who's this meathead that wants to play D and D? And the rules, I was a little out of date on the rules. I've been part of this group for two years now. And now they're like, you're going to miss all of October. I'm like, well, you guys know I do stuff. For long. They're like, okay. And they're all bummed out. But I'm, I'm friends with them now. And it's just funny because it's like, you see the different, you know, like Rich is the game master and he's like a full on dad. And, you know, and he, he also has there's a couple other guys. But it's just funny because it's like, we have different interests and different hobbies. And, mm -hmm. and just, but then at the same time, it's like we're all different people as well. So I want this to be more, more than just, uh, I don't want it to be one dimensional. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I take, I kind of take this the same way. Uh, I know, like, like when you get started in this kind of stuff, like people are always telling you, like, oh, you gotta find, you gotta find your your thing and focus on that. What, what is it that, that you're gonna talk about? What you want to focus on? I don't believe that. I don't think that's true at all. Well, why not talk a little bit about everything? About everything, and I feel like it's all interconnected, and that's why with my channel, like maybe some people find that my channel is a little too sporadic and I'm kind of all over the place. But it's, it's, in the end, it's all just about my interests. If you want me to nail it down to one thing, that's the one thing. It's, it's my interests. Yeah. It, which it, are broad and many, and a lot of them are interconnected. It's it's about what you what you find intriguing. What makes, you know, what makes Anna Manji? What makes him Anna Manji? That's just, that's who you are. You have, uh, you have a passion for, you know, for voice, for voices. You have a passion for film, for cinema, for animation, comics, and books, and whatnot, and so forth. So it's like, why not express those through a platform? Because, you know, this person might not relate to Japanese animation, but then he might be some geek that's into the Haunted Mansion. And that's going to be captivating for him. So the, the point is, the premise is, is, is um, everyone has different interests and different hobbies, and, it, and you're going to provide material for somebody and for the masses. And you never know when you're going to introduce somebody to something new that they're before. I never knew um, about, you know, this, this convention of video games. I'm about to look into it now. Right. It's like... Oh, okay, I guess I'm gonna go spend money there and come home with a with a, <laughs> with a pinball machine. I, I could I could literally if I had a pinball machine here, I would never leave my apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like an old midway. Oh, I want one of those, and I want one of those uh, sit down table Pac-Man machines. The cock, they're, they're, they're they're the cocktail. Um, yes. That that reminds me. Oh my god, we're gonna so. <laughs> that reminds me like Straw Hut Pizza or Pizza yes. the stores. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have a buddy who has a bar in Huntington Beach and he oh. has one in his bar uh, yeah. and he's got like he has multiple games in there so we, we better wrap this up oh, and now we're, we're going to be here yes. for another two hours so uh, I just want to thank you sir I want to thank you uh, you for coming on the podcast and this was amazing your voices uh, again look for Emmanuel on Instagram and, and Amanji also on YouTube also you're on Twitch as well every now and then it's pretty okay. sporadic I don't have like a set schedule but yeah, Instagram and YouTube probably the biggest. Then of course through all of October I'll be plug.dj slash Halloween town pretty much the entire month. So I'm gonna put links to your Instagram um, and your YouTube and um, where can they find you on Halloween town? Is that like an open It's an open thing you just go and you sign up for an account and you can either just hang out, chat with people and listen to music or Is it on Facebook? Music. Is it on No, it's its own little platform. Okay. Yeah. It's just it's it's like a chat room, but okay. streaming music the whole time for each other. And everybody takes turns streaming, you know, playing stuff. Cool. So I'll put all those links in the description. And once again, thank for, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for tolerating Lewis C. Fur and my campy voices. Well, you know. <laughs> Sacrifices we make. <laughs> this has definitely been fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Likewise, thank you.
Um, we're going to wrap this up. I want to thank everyone listening at home on Spotify and on Anchor. Um, you're more than welcome to ask me questions again. And thank you for following and supporting me as well. Um, this has been fun. This has been interesting. I love you guys, friends and family, whatnot, and fans. I'm not fans. What a, I'm nobody. Jesus. Uh, thank you again, Anna Manji, for being on here. And uh, I think we're going to call it a night. And thank you once again. This is Rick Creeper, and this is the Creep Cast. Thanks, guys. Take care. Oh, that was a long one. Hey, guys, thanks for toughing it out for this long-ass episode. I didn't expect it to go over two hours. I really don't want to edit these down too much. I want it to be raw and gritty, like a real conversation, hence why it's a two-hour podcast. So thank you for staying tuned to the Creepcast with your host, Rick Creeper. More importantly, thank you to my guest, Anna Manji, voiceover actor, video editor, and animator. You're an amazing man. If you guys would like to find him, you can find him at Instagram and Anna Manji, or also on YouTube, Anna Manji, which is his channel is Anna Manji Speaks. Uh, he also makes some pretty cool clothes and shirts um, he prints himself. So go support him, animangi.com, on the internet, anywhere on the internet. So thanks again, guys. I'm going to take a little hiatus with the podcast. I will be working at Queen Mary's Dark Harbor as a scare actor. So come check it out because maybe I'll find you before you find me. <laughs> Anyways, guys, have a safe and happy Halloween season and stay tuned. And don't forget, stay creepy. <laughs> <laughs>